Dr. Rook says that there were 23 people on the deck, <gasps> but there was only supposed to be eight people on the deck. <gasps> and then yeah. two people died? Those are all numbers. Two isn't a number. No, it's not. Oh, I thought you were kidding. Were you not kidding? No. Wow. I, I don't know why. Oh, okay. Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the Hundred Script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. Um, our fun fact for this episode is going to be talking about our imaginary friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not have an imaginary friend, but I do have stories on like uh, imaginary pets that I had. Wait, what? Yeah, so I... That's interesting. Okay. I don't want to... I really don't want to start the podcast with this because it's deeply, deeply embarrassing. And it's like one of those... I want you to start the podcast (laughs) I'm not starting the podcast with it, but I will tell the story as soon as everybody else talks about their imaginary friends because there's no way that my story is less embarrassing than yours. So I'd like to go last, if possible. Like, it's one of those stories where it's like my whole family is like, this is being told at your wedding. Like, it's one of those stories. I'm so happy. Yeah. So, um... I will tell that story in a few minutes. Perfect. All right. Okay. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 29-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And I'm boring. I didn't have imaginary friends. Like you got nothing? No, I read like I read books and so like I would be like I would imagine stories in my head about those characters, which looking back, okay, you were writing fan fiction in your head, Brittany, mm-hmm. but like <laughs> I didn't have imaginary friends, no. Weird. Or imaginary pets. Mm. <laughs> sorry guys. So I'm the only and- one here with an imaginary yeah, I get, I'm so Damn sorry. A uh, segue. Uh, uh our guest this episode is Chris. Yay! Yay! Who you? I am Christina, aka Chris. I'm 26 years old. I live in Atlanta. Uh, my Slytherin, oh, my Slytherin, oh my God. My Hogwarts house is Slytherin. I'm shocked. <laughs> no, I know. It's so shocking for everyone who knows me. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at your dear old dad, where I have daily meltdowns over David Harbour. She does, and it is so, true. so entertaining. <laughs> so, uh, who are your favorite characters on the show? Ooh, okay. So I love this episode in particular because Hurley and I love, love, love Hurley. Um, I also love Juliet, Sawyer, Desmond, of course, who doesn't. Yeah. And then, of course, John. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. Nice. Thank you. Uh, and I know this is a big question, but what does lost mean to you? 42? No. Uh, lost... <laughs> So fun fact about Lost, uh, I started it when it like first came out and after halfway through season two, I stopped and was like, this show is stupid, which was obviously a big mistake. Um, and then I re I rewatched it back in, I think 2012 and it just honestly became one of my favorite TV shows mm-hmm. ever. And it means to me... 2012 was kind of a dark time and for me personally, and it just kind of brought me out of my shell a little bit. Um, so I have lost to kind of thank for that. That's so cute. Why? Well, and also, I love shows that act as therapy. Mm-hmm. Truly, yes. It's free. It's it, it, it's free. Literally, literally. <laughs> it's free therapy. <laughs> um, do you recall what in season two made you stop? I think it was just after like that winter hiatus where I was just like. 
I'm just, I'm good. <laughs> I, there yeah, wasn't no, like, I understand. there wasn't like really uh, a moment or a storyline that made me want to say, Hey, this isn't for me. It was just kind of like, this isn't convenient for me. So I'm just gonna ignore it. Basically. There definitely is well in season two. That's for sure. Cool. Should we get started you guys? Yes. Let's go. Today we have words to say about episode 218 of Lost. Dave. 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 So Dave's about Dave, mostly. Like, I mean, it's about Hurley, but Dave is also here. I hate you, Dave. Dave. Fucking Dave. <laughs> uh, the broadcast date was April 5th, 2006. It was written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz, and it was directed by our friend, Jack Bender. Aw. The guys who wrote Once Upon a Time don't know how, like, addiction works? I'm shocked. What? <laughs> Some fun facts about this episode. This was the only episode of the entire show to end with a flashback scene until the end of um, season six. There's a season six episode called Ab Eterno in which uh, it ends in a flashback scene. Oh, that's so a really good one. Though. It's a good episode. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that like no other episode has ever done that. Another fun fact about this episode, this is the fifth extended episode of Lost, running five minutes longer than the standard one-hour episodes of Lost. It is also the third longest episode in length, not not counting two-hour finales. Um, it's behind uh, an episode in season five, which ran for 46-46, and an episode in season six that ran 48-02. So, wow, numbers. <laughs> so before we do our all-important recap, I do have some thoughts from listeners, which is really exciting. Ooh. Um, so you guys might remember Ray, who sent us some uh, emails about... Um, she sent us some emails about Sawyer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, and so she sent me an email a bit ago. She said, hi, Robin, because let's be candid with everyone. I answer all the emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Robin, sorry I'm being annoying, but no one wants to talk to me about Lost. Uh, I will always talk to you about Lost, so feel free yeah. to just hit me up on that. Um, I keep thinking about this theory I've had since I rewatched White Rabbit, and I wanted to tell someone who would care. So White Rabbit was episode 105. At the start of White Rabbit, there is a lady named Joanna who drowns in the ocean. Uh-huh. Remember? And Boone goes out there and tries mm-hmm. to save her, and then Jack Jack has to her. save them both because Boone's so incompetent. Right, yes. but then he can't save Joanna because he saves Boone instead. Everyone is on the same page yes. here? Yes. Okay, great. Um, so this is Ray's... Um, theory. The lady that drowns in the ocean at the start was diving off the Great Barrier Reef, which is incredibly far away from Sydney. She, If she was grounded and not allowed to fly because of an ear infection, she would have had to drive 20-ish hours just to get to Sydney to catch the oceanic flight. She could have also flown out from airports closer to the Great Barrier Reef in the first place, which makes me think that she went through a series of spooky magic island events where she couldn't get any other flights from closer to where she was and had to go to Sydney, which ended up leading her to the island so that she would drown as a sacrifice and therefore leading Jack to chase after his father in the jungle. Also, her sacrifice might not totally be in vain. I feel sorry for Drowning Lady. Her series of events leads to Jack finding the water and bringing the survivors together with his speech, which helps them work together and survive for longer in the long run. I could be completely off base and the writers just didn't consider geography of Australia or she got diagnosed with an ear infection in Sydney, but I like to think my version is true. I think like canonically, like the writers like had no clue, Mm -hmm. but I think that's such a great explanation for it. Yeah. They're like, it, it, it's a perfect headcanon. Mm-hmm. I love being able to like put things on such minuscule things that the writers definitely weren't thinking about and then being able to make them make sense. I think it just adds a lot. And I think that's really cool. Exactly. Uh, great. So thank you to Ray for emailing us her headcanon. I think it's cool. Ray, you're so smart. <laughs> and then we got some DMs from our friend Angie. Uh, she has been watching Lost for the first time and sending me her thoughts, which has been, you know, the greatest joy in my life. It's the best. 
course. Um, and she's been listening to our podcast as she goes. Um, and something that she was sending me about, I believe it was episode one, 117, which is in translation. It's the episode where Jin finds out that Sun speaks English. Yeah. And we had said in our podcast how much it really bothered us because our um, our guest on that was Rena, who's one of my friends from college, who is one of the only people I've ever met who doesn't like Sun. She just can't stand Sun. But of course, you know, I mean... That is still such a shocking opinion to me. That's just how it be, though. There's, yeah. like, so many people who don't like the characters that everybody else likes, and I, I mean, that's always a valid opinion. Ooh, but Chris, do you not like someone who's popular? I don't think so. Hold on. No, I think I'm no, I'm pretty I'm pretty on board with everybody. I'm it's been a while. Uh yeah. no. I think that one of the most controversial characters lately since I've been like actively influencing people to watch this show <laughs> um has been John Locke actually. There you're either you're on one of of two sides with Locke, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like no yep. one is ever in the middle with Locke. Right. It's always I love Locke or I hate Locke. Right. So I always find that pretty interesting. But anyway, this is about Sun and Jin. And one of the things that really, really bothered us um, in that episode was when Jin finds out that Sun speaks English, um, she starts talking to him in Korean and saying all of the things that he, like, that she was planning on leaving him and blah, blah, blah. And then she switched over to English to start speaking. And we thought, what a freaking slap in the face is that? Yeah. Where he just learned that you speak English and then you start giving him confessions in a language that he doesn't understand. We thought that was really, really terrible. Yeah. Um, and so this was Angie's DM about that. Uh, it's about Sun and Jin when they are having an argument in the cave and she just revealed that she can understand English. She starts revealing something personal with him in English when we know he doesn't understand. So my thoughts are, as someone who is also bilingual, sometimes sharing deep secrets and feelings and thoughts in another language is easy. Maybe the receiver doesn't fully understand or sometimes it just comes out that way. Also, I just thought that we were supposed to assume that Jin understood what she said. Sometimes when an American TV show has his Hispanic people talking to each other in English, depending on the context, I'm like, oh, that would totally be a conversation in Spanish, but probably the writers don't know enough of it to write yeah. it. So mm -hmm. that makes sense. I They have done that before. They do that in Saeed episodes a lot, just because Naveen doesn't speak Arabic. Yeah. Uh, so they'll often do that sort of thing where they will have him speaking in Arabic and then they will have like a pass behind like the person who he's talking to's head and then he'll be speaking in English you know it'll be a very clear transition like this is supposed to be in Arabic but we're speaking in English now does that make sense you guys yeah. does that yeah. make sense I don't know what I'm saying um so I totally see that I am not sure if that was the case in that moment though just because we didn't have that I don't know I guess I'd have to go back and look at yeah. Jin's face to see if he really understood or not I yeah I feel yeah. like that's one of those things where it like slips and so you gotta like look for mm -hmm. another explanation yeah and then she actually just sent me this like today uh hi guys it's me again I'm almost caught up on the podcast and I have some thoughts I would love to share with you on 204 that is um every Everybody loves Hugo. Um, I find Hurley's mom a little annoying, but in an accurate sort of way. All of my life, I've been overweight and my mom won't shut up about it. She would bring it up every chance she would get. And when it became a health issue, it was the worst. So I get it. And I'm, I'm not so sorry. No, sorry. That like brings memories back of my grandma. And I'm like, yeah, I know exactly how that feels. <sighs> I'm not sure if it's a Hispanic thing, but it is a family thing with mine because even my grandma, it's the same. And the full annoying part is the religious part. I feel like she falls in the same stereotype trope the show has, just like Saeed and Sun and Jin. That makes sense. It yeah. does. Yeah. Sorry, that just like it literally brought back like my mom has so much trauma from her mom doing that exact same thing. Because like what a lot of moms don't realize, or not even moms, but like people don't realize it's like constantly pointing these things out actually doesn't do anything except traumatize people. And oh, cause yeah. deeper issues. Yeah. 
Exactly. Uh, and then on 205, which is the um, How Sun and Jin Met episode, mm-hmm. it's the episode of Sun and Jin in the hotel. I work in a hotel that falls in a similar category that the one Jin works in, and there's totally a hierarchy with us. It's not the same being a bellboy like Jin than being the guy who hires the bellboy. There are rules you absolutely need to follow so the hotel, so the hotel doesn't lose the category. So it makes sense to me that Jin was asked to do what he couldn't do at the end. Okay. Yeah. So like when Jin was almost fired for letting the little boy go in there to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Um, she said that's also something accurate. Okay. But she works in a hotel that's similar to that. Interesting. So okay. That interesting. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. So thank you to everybody who sent us in their thoughts recently. I thought it was great. They are great. Um, and now we're going to do our recap for the episode. Which I just finished. Which Good for me. Brittany just wrote. Yeah. Um, if you're wondering why it's always Brittany lately, because we used to switch, but it's always Brittany now just because I do the scene summaries. Yeah. And I was having a hard time writing the full summary and the scene summary and not making all my jokes the same. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, Brittany's going to try and do it in less than a minute, but we shall see. We oh, shall I'm not going to manage it. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, we're doing it. We originally started doing it in the style of Lost in eight minutes and 15 seconds, but since then it has evolved into its own nonsense. <laughs> um, I don't know if everybody who's listening knows this, but there's a, an app called CoStar oh, in which no. you kind of get your- um, Oh, Lord. You oh, get no. your like horoscope for the day. Yeah. And uh, mine is not great for podcasting today. My uh, my co-star I just got was, don't even try to make yourself understood today. It's not worth it. Oh, so that's not great for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what? That's so dark. Okay, well. That's, that's unnecessary. Right. Mine was, you could write a love poem to yourself. That's nice. Mine was. Chris, what did you get? Uh, you can be daring without being careless. Oh. Oh. Okay. I was like, okay, well, um, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I feel like these app developers are just like, hey, what if we just say nonsensical things to these people? Mine have been really mean <laughs> before. And then have them try to connect the dots about how this applies to their life and make their yeah, heads exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of mine have been so friggin' mean. Yeah. I think there was one where it basically called me a liar. I was oh. like, oh, that's cute. Oh, cool. Good good times. Good times. Love that. Love that for you. This is so the three of us are going to Disney World soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be <laughs> so chaotic. Invented chaotic energy. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> The whole time is just going to be like a group of people with ADD. Well, my mom was like, oh my God, I feel so bad for your friends because I've never been to Disney, first of all. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. We get to be there for Christmas. First I'm time so, excited. so excited. Which I am so excited. And she's like, oh my God, you are going to be the most ADD person. And they're like, she goes, I'm just going to have to pray for them. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> no, it's okay. Because my mom and my sister both have ADHD. Oh, cool. And I'll just fit right in. I literally have ADD. I, was saying, so I like, literally have ADD. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not going to be, you will be in good company. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> it's going to oh. be a whole mess. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so freaking excited. <laughs> okay. 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 <clears throat> ready? All right. I'm doing my. I'm doing my summary now. Yeah. Okay. 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 Harley and Libby flirt and exercise, which are two things I did not know went together. Harley is frustrated that he's not losing weight, which like same. He reveals to Libby that he's been stockpiling food, and they destroy it in the name of therapy wasteful. Bad news though, another food drop has happened on the island. Hurley doesn't want to be in charge of that mess again, and also his imaginary friend Dave is back. In the hatch, Locke is down to trust Henry, but Jack isn't. Saeed and Anna Luzia interrogate Henry. Saeed literally tries to kill him because he has no chill, but they do find out that Henry is a dirty rotten liar. Hurley 
Hurley stumbles to the jungle and sees Dave again. He goes to Sawyer to get some clonazepam, but they end up wrestling instead. Hurley packs up and runs away from camp and from Libby. He can't escape Dave, who convinces Hurley that he never left the mental health institute and that the island is a hallucination. The only way out of it is to jump off a cliff, which is normal. Libby finds him and tells him that she's not in his head and it's super insulting that he would say she is. Go girl. They kiss and Hurley is magically cured. Amazing. Also, Henry messes with Locke's head and tells him that he never pushed the button, so that'll end well. In the flashbacks, Hurley doesn't want to participate in his own therapy. His good friend Dave thinks it's all a scam. He goes to the basketball game and meets up with Dave, so they're gonna head to taco night. Sounds great for Hurley's therapy. His therapist takes a picture of Dave and Hurley at game night. Hurley does his therapy homework, but the session doesn't go well. His therapist shows him the picture he took and reveals Dave isn't real. Dave tries to convince Hurley to run away, but he refuses. That's breakthrough. Meanwhile, rolling back into the flashback, we see during game night that Libby was in the Institute 2. Plot twist. Minute 30. God damn it. Also, I realized <laughs> that I didn't talk about my imaginary pet. Oh my god. Okay, great. So tell us about your imaginary pet. But Chris please. didn't talk about her imaginary friend either. So Chris has to talk first. Okay, so back, it was like kindergarten. Astro, oh my god. Sorry, guys. Astro, not. It's okay. Kobe's being annoying too. <laughs> he is right up in my face. Like, I'm surprised you can't hear him breathing. But, um. <laughs> Bother. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, attention. But no, I had an imaginary friend named Emma, and she was like, I was potty shy when I was little, so I would talk to my imaginary friend Emma while going to the bathroom. And this is like a story that my parents love to tell, but they came back into my bedroom and found me talking to my imaginary friend Emma while peeing in a bucket. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Like, bless your heart. Like, the effort was there. (laughs) The effort was so there. And uh, yeah, no, it was a pale pink bucket that, like, I took to the beach. And apparently I was like, hmm, I'm just going to pee in the corner of my room in this bucket. Totally fine. (laughs) Totally cool. I'm lazy like that, too. (laughs) Like, that's just millennial ingenuity. (laughs) I don't want to go all the way to the bathroom. Right? Like, the bathroom was right next to my bedroom. So, like, yeah, that that whole three-foot walk, yeah, it was so tiring for me. Absolutely. (laughs) Exhausting to the legs. Super exhausting. Oh, my God. That's so freaking cute. And, like, I love that yours is cute and Robin's is going to be super embarrassing. This is going to be great for me. It could be cute. Okay. It's something that I used to be embarrassed about, but now I'm just going to, like, own it. Like, I'm literally going to come out here and just say it in front of everybody now. Okay. So, do you guys know when your underwear starts to get old, the elastics from your underwear start to come out? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. In my family, we call those panty strings. Okay. 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 So I don't know where this story is going. <laughs> so kind of like a little inchworm buddy, I decided that one of these little panty strings was my new pet. So I put it oh in God. a plastic cup and I gave it water through a eyedropper and I fed it pencil shavings. I don't know how to react to any of this. <laughs> and that was my pet. I can't even try and tell you that that's not weird because it's so weird. That's okay. Oh my God. I'm owning it now. Yeah, I'm proud of you. I was a child. Oh yeah, no kids are- I once thought that our VCR was a living thing and I fed it a peanut butter sandwich. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Kids are weird. Yeah, super, super weird. Okay, so would it make you feel better if I told you that my mom got Lindsay an ant farm when we were kids and in the middle of the night the ant farm- broke open. That doesn't make me feel better. That does not make me feel better. No, this is funny. And it turned out they were red fire ants. That is not funny. (laughs) But no, this is the best part. We had bunk beds. So we bit Lindsay and I was on the top bunk and I didn't get bit. And we woke up in the morning Lindsay was like, Mom! And I was like, (laughs) <laughs> that is not 
Brittany. <laughs> it's so, so funny. Scary. How old was she? Oh my god, we were in like first grade. Brittany, that's not funny. <laughs> that's, so funny. <laughs> that's a child. That kind of no, because that kind of stuff only happens to Lindsay. If I. she was like twelve, it would be funny. But the fact that she was like six, I feel so sad. No, it's funny. Maybe. <laughs> no, it's funny. Trust me. Okay. If yeah. you if you want super embarrassing story, I puked on my principal on the first day of first grade. So. Oh my god! What? So how, yeah. How did that happen, bud? <laughs> so I was like, so first grade, new school, new me, not really. <laughs> but uh, in, in an attempt to make friends at recess, um, these fifth grade boys were like, hey we had we had like three tire swings on the playground and they were like hey do you want us to like spin you and i was like yeah oh yeah oh no so they gave me a toilet swirl uh <gasps> yeah on on the tire swing and this is after lunch so like stomach's full oh, yeah. and i get back from playing outside and i don't feel good but i'm like i'm not going to tell them like i'm good i'm cool and then the principal comes in to personally welcome me cuz i was like the i was like the only new kid that year and um oh no and she was like oh you know like just wanted to come say hi you know see how you were doing and I puked all on her and then she had to walk me to the clinic oh my god <laughs> were you then known as puke girl or what? oh yeah no I was the weird girl and then everyone went home and told their parents that the new kid puked on the principal and that was like my reputation for like a solid two years <laughs> was that, that kind of sounds like a Junie B Jones <laughs> yeah oh my <laughs> god that's oh, yeah. like that's a whole farce. And then I didn't even, so I didn't tell my mom this. And my mom had to find out at parents' night. Oh, the no. <laughs> oh, my God. You scam oh, artist. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. All right. Should we just start talking about the episode? I'm having yes. a great time exposing all of our embarrassing things. <laughs> right. So let's talk about um, the stuff that happens in the hatch first. Okay. Nothing good ever happens in the hatch. Nothing. Actually, I guess Desmond was shirtless in there once, and that was good. That was great. Uh, so here's my summary of the first scene. Oh, okay. Jack is checking out Locke's injuries. It doesn't look like he'll be able to walk for a while. He could use the wheelchair. No, thank you. He does allow Kate to go get some very convenient crutches, though. Yeah. <laughs> We've never heard of these crutches before, but they're here. Suddenly they appear. Listen, it's... Match. It's a magic island. That's true. Of course, we have the Locke moving his foot shot, which is, of course, iconic to Locke. Mm -hmm. They say that he probably can't walk for a couple of weeks. That would be on a normal island. Yeah, that doesn't heal people quickly. Lucky for him. He refuses to take the wheelchair, of course, but he says yes to crutches. And I, like, I mean, obviously he chose the crutches because crutches mean you can use at least one of your legs. Yeah, like you can walk a little. Yeah wobble yeah i feel i feel so bad for him because you can tell every bit of trauma that he i think he thinks he was working through but i i kind of wonder if he was just repressing just came all the way back mm -hmm. one thing that i forgot to mention before we started though was that we this is our first lost podcast in our new apartment so it is a little bit echoey yeet and we just want everybody to know that we know <laughs> and, yeah, we want you to know that we can't fix that we don't really know at what this to do moment at this moment but maybe in the future we'll, we'll know well like i know the solution which is to buy like furniture a, like an area rug to bounce the sound off of Ooh. the problem is that area rugs are, are expensive. expensive yes they are yeah. so yeah donate to our patreon so we can buy an area rug yeah. <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com slash the <laughs> all right next scene 
Said and Anna interrogate Henry. Not Henry tells them that he found real Henry already hanging from the balloon basket. Said wonders how that could be when he found a $20 bill in Henry's wallet with a note to his wife. Henry can't tell the truth because of what his people would do to him. Said is about to shoot him, but Anna stops him. Jack runs in to help and Locke is left out of the loop. Okay, so this scene is terrifying because so much of Said's like trauma around Shannon is clearly influencing everything that he does here, but he's still good at his job. He still gets the answers out of not Henry. Yeah. yeah. What are we going to call him now that we don't know his name? I think we just keep calling him Henry. I mean, Locke says like what like, what's your real name? What can I call you? And he says to just keep calling him Henry. So, mm, okay. Until we do know what his real name is, we should call him Henry. Faux Henry? Fenry? <laughs> no. Bad, bad Henry. Benry. <laughs> I don't feel good about that. <laughs> Fine. Freaks me out. So then Jesus parallels. Oh my goodness. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was on purpose for sure. Oh yeah. Crucified. Oh, yeah. Hanging up there. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Henry says that he found Henry. <laughs> Four months ago. <laughs> this is going to be confusing. Four months ago. Yes, four. Four. That's a number. Yeah. Um, and he was saying that his neck was broken and he was already dead. And Saeed's like, hmm. weird. That doesn't sound real. Because how did he write a note to Jennifer then? How do you screw up your story this badly? Okay, so the note says, Jennifer, well, you were right. <laughs> Crossing the Pacific isn't easy. I owe you a beer. Hey, when you read it like that, that's actually a really weird note. Yeah. <laughs> like super weird. Jennifer. Well, you were right. Crossing the Pacific isn't easy. I owe you a beer. I'm hiking to one of the beaches to start a signal fire. But if you're reading this, I guess I didn't make it. I'm sorry. I love you, Jenny. Always have, always will. Yours, Henry. So tell me, how did Henry Gale write a note to his wife with a broken neck? So, so does this imply that he's like, I'm heading to the beach to start a signal fire, but if you're reading this, I didn't make it. So like, he's assuming that she came across his body and searched through his wallet. Yeah. Like maybe someone found his body at some point and brought it back. Why are they separated? Do you think? I mean, this is literally all just theorizing because there we we don't know but like clearly i don't know it's just interesting because why are they separated does that make do you know what i mean like why is he writing her a note why are they separated okay so i have a whole head canon about this okay okay i'm ready so in my head they are co-workers okay okay and wait did it say he was married henry not henry said he was married to jennifer okay i don't think they were married I think they were co-workers and he decided to go on this like big adventure and before he left he was gonna tell her that he loved her and then he didn't and so he wrote her the note in some vague hope that when he eventually like when someone found his body they she would eventually find out that he loved her all along. Whoa. It's tragic. But this is this is literally the whole theory I've had in my head for a while. Okay. So I have a question for you then. Okay. The thing with not Henry that we have now, um, he has said that his wife's name was Jennifer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said, like, they met at, like, some university and her maiden name was Murphy and all these things that could just have been words. You know, he could have just been saying that, right? But he did know the name Jennifer. But it's clear that he had not known about, that he didn't know about this note. Oh! So where did he get the name name Jennifer? Jennifer. Because, like, what we had talked about before when he had said that was, like, either she is alive outside of the island and, you know, they, you know, the others have done, like, research on him. They're 
capable of that, you know, okay. and then they could have figured that out without having read the note or they found her and she was, she has become one of the others. Cause there is an other named Jennifer. She was, um, oh, shoot, which one was she? I think she was, um, like the one that got killed by Anna Lucia in 207 with the rock. Okay. And her name was Jennifer, but it was only in like the script or something. Like they never said it. So yeah, I don't know. Because it's never actually clear whether or not there were two people on the balloon. But like, why would you go on an expedition across the Pacific by yourself? Amelia Earhart wasn't alone, was she? No, uh, she had Fred Noonan with her. Yeah. I, okay, 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 okay. What if they knew about the note, Uh but they didn't think that they would ever find the body? Uh Uh-huh. So he got the name from the note, assuming that no one would ever go looking for that body. Like, didn't calculate, like, Anna Lucia's tenacity. Sure. But then, knowing that they went through the wallet because they got the ID, why would Henry then... I almost said his name. Why would <laughs> why would Henry then bring up something else that was in the wallet if he didn't want them to know about it? Ah, shit. Sorry. It's called a plot hole, ladies. It's called a plot hole. <laughs> I want your thing to be true, though. Yeah, I like my thing. I'm gonna go with that. I like your thing. Yep. Because it's more romantic. (laughs) Yeah, here, like if I, like Jennifer has a Lostpedia page, so let's see here. She has her own Lostpedia page? Everyone has a Lostpedia. Jennifer Gale is the significant other, possibly the wife of the real Henry Gale, according to the note on the $20 bill that was left behind by him. Posing as Henry Gale under the captivity of the survivors, blank, (laughs) offered some information about Jennifer to Saeed while under interrogation. (laughs) I'm just reading it. I know. (laughs) Henry blank claimed her maiden name was Murphy and that they met at the University of Minnesota. She had supposedly died three weeks earlier from a fever. Uh, He said it started as a fever. After two days, she was delirious. Then she died. Um, Information from the $20 bill. She is likely to be alive either in the outside world or on the island. We just don't know. I don't think she's on the island. You don't think so? No. We thought she was because because one of the others was named Jennifer. No, I don't think she's on the island. Okay, so what? why would Henry go on an expedition like this by himself because of my theory he loved her but he never told her and she wasn't his wife no i understand your theory but like that doesn't make sense as to why i don't know he would go on an expedition by him like like what is he punishing himself for i don't think you're he's punishing himself i think he wanted to see if he could do it like people who climb everest by himself yeah as i say people like hike the appalachian trail all the time by themselves yeah to prove something so yeah maybe i mean think about i mean even desmond went sailing by himself yeah that's true yeah he was definitely trying to prove something at that point so how did henry know that was his wife's name unless he's spoken to the wife so that was kind of my theory that she was one of the others but i mean obviously there is more than one theory okay so henry is trying to say that he's just a foot soldier he's like well i'm just a guy yeah i'm I'm innocent i'm normal look at my face i'm here you know and he's talking about this like he this he who's gonna mess me up if i if i say anything oh boy i wonder who it is and henry's like oh i mean anna's like oh gotta be the guy with the beard that's the one other guy i've seen (laughs) or like whatever and he's like no it's like you idiot (laughs) i mean in his mind he's probably like how dare you yeah that guy no yeah <laughs> that guy can't do anything how dare you think that that guy has jurisdiction over me exactly yeah um and then he says i'm not a bad person which speaks for itself yeah he's real lucky anna was there he would be dead if anna wasn't there absolutely it's so strange to think 
like looking back on it, it's like, wow, like that could have been the end of him. <laughs> Saeed like was going to do it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it, like, I mean, when we were watching and Saeed shot, I was, I was like, did he shoot at Henry or did he sort of shoot like past him? No, he shot at Henry. Yeah. Like yeah. Henry was about to die. Mm-hmm. There was something in this scene that I thought was a really good addition. That was a very subtle, just like a really great detail. Mm-hmm. Um, I really loved the fact that like, obviously Locke can't go anywhere. He's stuck in this bed. Right. And so when Jack runs away, he's stuck in the bed. And so like all of this stuff is happening and you can just hear Locke going, Jack, 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 what's happening? Jack, <laughs> Jack. And I'm like, I mean, it's true. Yeah. He, there's no way he would have caught dead just being like sitting there and being like, okay, well, let me know what happened when you get back. You know, Locke always wants to be part of it. It's like, that's part of his thing is that he needs to be in the middle of things. And if he's not, then he is not having a good time. Right. He spent his whole, the, the last four years being below everybody, literally. Not really being a part of humanity, really. Yeah. Um, Like our friend Sarah, who has come on a couple times, said like she was in a wheelchair for a while. And she was saying that like people don't talk to you. They don't talk to you like, like you're a person. They talk to the person who's pushing your wheelchair mm-hmm. or, you know, like they just, they don't, they don't look down to speak to you, yeah. you know? And so that's how Locke has been living. And when they're like, hey, do you want to get into the wheelchair? He's like, hard no. You know, because at least when you're on crutches, you're, you're at everyone's eye line. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I like that detail. I also like the part where Locke says, I heard a gunshot. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you think? No shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, no shit, like, Sherlock, really? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Okay. Is there anything else you want to tell us? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, that's brand new. Thanks. Um, did you guys have anything else about that scene? This is a really short storyline. This is Yeah, tiny, it's a tiny storyline. Tiny this episode. Yeah. All right. Locke hobbles up to Anna. He asks to speak with Henry. Anna says no, and Locke's like, I think yes, actually. <laughs> Anna lets him go in. Henry tells Locke that the hatch is a joke. He didn't even press the button when he was over there during the lockdown. Locke doesn't believe him. The genius of this, like, it, this is just now, like, outright blatant, like, psychological manipulation. Yeah. I love it. One thing that I thought was important to mention, like uh, in the other storyline, Charlie like full on just like starts talking about the hatch, right? Oh yeah. Just like blatantly. Yeah. But I don't think that the hatch is a secret. I think Henry being down there is a secret. But I thought it was supposed to, the hatch was supposed to be a secret so that not everyone would like storm in to take showers. Yeah, like the hatch, like you're not allowed to like go in there all the time, but like it's not a secret because Jack, like at the end of season one was like, we're all gonna hide down there. Locke found a hatch, woohoo. Oh. You know, so the hatch isn't a secret. It's the, it's what's inside the hatch right now. Um, And like Desmond and everything was, was a secret. Yeah. Can you imagine like being one of those islanders and there's a hatch with like a working shower Hour, mm. and only a select few people get to go in it well like last episode when kate was like hey can i use the shower and jack was like no i would lose my mind <laughs> i would be like excuse me first of all frick you second of all i there's no deodorant on this island please i need i my hair is so greasy that it looks wet <laughs> let me shower <laughs> But one thing that Anna says to Locke is that Jack is going around telling everybody about Henry now. So even though everybody seemed to already know for some reason, (laughs) now it's for sure that like everybody does know. Like it's been canonically said that Jack has been telling people about it. So that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Why won't Anna let Locke talk to Henry? I think because Locke is emotionally compromised and because she doesn't trust Locke. Why, why 
you say she doesn't trust Locke? I mean, would you trust Locke? Uh, it depends on what with. Locke keeps secrets. Like, she had to sort of find out about this whole thing. I don't know. If I were Anna, I wouldn't trust anyone, including Jack. I would only trust myself mm. at this point. Oh, yeah. And that's like an Anna thing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I'm more interested in the fact that Locke went through the formality of asking her, but intended on doing his own thing anyway. It's like he had manners, but he was like, nah, I'm gonna do anyway. He is versatile. You know, like two episodes ago or whatever, he was like, he asked Anna to come in and talk to Henry before asking Jack, you know? Yeah. So this time he decided to ask first. Yeah. Because he couldn't get past her. It's called manners. So Locke now feels repressed like he was before. He's like, I'm I'm the leader, not you. I'm like, oh my god. Let it go. Locke says, I'll do, to, I'll do respect, but I don't care what you think. Which is already like, ouch. But also, that's a contradictory <laughs> statement. I'm like, you care so much about what everybody thinks what of you. What everyone thinks of you. He's running the, um, he's running for the mayor of nothing. Yeah. <gasps> he is running for the mayor of nothing. Um, but like, have I'll do respect. So I have respect for you, but I don't care what you think. That's contradictory. I think, I think that phrase is such a tricky phrase because I think when someone says it, it's the way of cushioning a blow and they don't right. actually mean it. Yeah, totally. Per my last email. Literally. Which means... <laughs> the things that I told you three seconds ago. We would not be through going through this again. With all due respect means, listen, I don't want you to be mad at me, but I really need you to, I really need to say something. Exactly. Because if you respected someone, you would phrase it in a way that did not require that phrase. Right. Interesting. Hot takes from the Aficionados. <laughs> I like Anna Lucia this episode. She's much softer. I love recently. Anna Lucia every episode. Mm. I'm I'm so firmly team Anna Lucia now. I can't say, I can't say that I love her every episode. I can say that I like her more than I have done in previous rewatches, but mm-hmm. I I can't say I like her every episode. What do you think of Anna Lucia, Chris? I'm not her biggest fan, but I like her in this episode in particular. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, it's fair. And uh, what are your Jack thoughts on Jack? Oh, yeah, do you like Jack? Do you hate Jack? I don't hate Jack, but he's not my favorite either but I have a complicated like relationship with Jack yeah that basically sums up everyone's relationship (laughs) with Jack (laughs) it's like it's like sometimes you love him sometimes you hate him and sometimes you're like why why just why Mm -hmm. it's like sometimes you deserve rights but maybe not all the time not all the time you know but maybe not all the time i think like it's just so interesting to me the jack conversation because it's so odd that the main character of a show is has the audience so ambivalent about him Mm -hmm. and it's it's like a character that's not written to be like an antagonist like no he, he so to have that ambivalence is like what's like, what is it about Jack? And I don't know if we'll ever, like, nail it down. Yeah, he's definitely not written to be an antagonist, no. but he's not really written to be a protagonist either, which is so interesting about him. Like, you know, you think, when you think about him, like, the first thing you think about is, like, oh, he's the protagonist, he's the hero. But, like, when you go down to the nitty-gritty, he's really... Um, he's not. He's gray. He's, he's different in that way, you know? And I think that's really interesting about him is that, like, sometimes they they write him to be unlikable, and if he was, like, the protagonist, they, they would try and have him be likable all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's not like the kind of thing that the hunter does where they have him do edgy things in order to make him seem unlikable. He's always trying to do the right thing. The question is whether or not it actually is the right thing. It's the right thing to him. Yeah. But it's not always. And he has other voices that like give him feedback that is like, hey, maybe this isn't the right thing. Mm -hmm. But he tends to take burdens on himself out of some like, you know, I I guess essentially mostly usually boils down.
boils down to the daddy issues. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think Jack is interesting, but Jack is interesting in a way that a lot of protagonists aren't right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Locke asks him what his real name is. And he says that he would like to keep being called Henry. Why? He can't Google you. Just make up a name. Just do whatever you want. Like if he, he can't him, Google you. If he could give if he gave him his real name, then Locke has no way of being like beep boop beep boop. Oh, I see. Here's all the information I have about you. I never thought about that. And that's so funny. Just give us your real name. Who cares? Maybe he's they like, just didn't have it ready until next season. I literally <laughs> think he's trying to be like intentionally edgy. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, you don't get to know my name. You must be this level of friendship to unlock my tragic backstory. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Because the fact that, does he still have to be in character, do you think? Is he still acting? Yes. I think so too. I and fully think this whole thing is a performance. So if I could bring some acting stuff into this. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you learn in directing class is when you are directing somebody and they're supposed to be in character, you use the character's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than using their real name Mm -hmm. so that they are in the mind space of that character rather than getting taken out of it by hearing their own name. Okay. So like when I was teaching children this summer, I was doing a drama camp and I would call the characters by their name. So, um, or by the character's name. Mm -hmm. So my main character's name was Taylor. And so instead of calling her by her real name, I would be like, okay, Taylor, come over here. And she'd be like, don't you know my name is Brittany? Her name wasn't Brittany, but I don't want to use, I mean, she's a child. I don't want to use her name. But um, if it was Brittany, she'd be like, my name isn't Brittany. And I'd be like, or my name isn't Taylor. Are you Your okay? name is Taylor today. <laughs> no, actually, I'm not okay. Did you know that um, I shouldn't even try to make myself understood today because it's not worth it? Yeah, like, are you me today? No, I wouldn't. I'm never you. Wow. 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 Ooh. Okay. Tell me how you really feel. She's not even looking at me. She's literally texting. She is ignoring me <laughs> while I'm insulted. Can you believe this? The disrespect. I can, actually. <laughs> that's, that's like, this is so on brand. Like, <laughs> yeah, actually, I can believe that. Thank you. What's tea? Uh, my sister was asking me a question and I told her I'm podcasting and can she ask, she asked me to ask somebody a question. So I told her that I'm busy and she needs to ask that person herself. Mm. That's what I was doing. Mm. So did he get caught on purpose? No. Yeah. What? Oh, Henry? Yeah. Did he get caught by... Oh, yeah. Sorry, my bad. My beat. My oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, yes. What? Oh, you hey. mean caught like... Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, like, no, duh. I was like, yes, duh. Okay. <laughs> um, how did you feel about the moment where um, Locke was talking about God only knows and he said, God doesn't know. God can't see us here. I have spoiler thoughts about that. Okay. Okay. Did you want me to write that down? Yeah. Okay, I will. <laughs> What's your name? Your real name. Why don't you just keep calling me Henry? I've gotten used to it. Did you get caught on purpose? You and your people have been here for God knows how long and you got caught in a net. God doesn't know. Excuse me? God doesn't know how long we've been here, John. He can't see this island any better than the rest of the world can. May I ask you a question? What possible reason could I have for putting myself through all this? Maybe your people were looking for this place. This place? This place is a joke, John. What are you talking about? I crawled through your vents and I stood at your computer as the alarm beeped. And you know what happened? The timer went all the way down to zero. And then some funny red pictures flipped up in its place. They looked like hieroglyphics, but I'm no expert. 
And then things got real interesting. There was a loud clunking and a hum, like a magnet, a big magnet. It was really very frightening. And do you know what happened next? Nothing happened, John. Nothing happened at all. Your timer just slipped back to 108. I never entered the numbers. I never pressed the button. You're lying. No, I'm done lying. And then he says that he didn't press the button. What? That, Why? I bet, like, the people who watch that live must be like, what? You know? <laughs> like, you don't know. What do you mean he didn't press the button? This is, like, one of the big things that you, like, go back to the office and you are around the water cooler and you're talking, like, did he press the button? Like, this is one of the things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we can speak on that right now. <laughs> water cooler. But, like, literally, that is a water cooler discussion. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. Hang on. Plot twist. Mm -hmm. So that's all I had for that storyline. It's pretty small this episode. Mm -hmm. um, did you guys have anything else you wanted to add about Locke or Henry or anything? Not that no. isn't in the spoiler section. Cool. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about Hurley and Dave. Ugh. I, okay. Dave. I just want to say up front, I don't like the storyline. Okay. Interesting. Did you want to just like speak on that generally before we start? I think it is a really poor representation of how eating disorders actually work. Okay. And I'm not surprised that it was by these two writers. Like, no tea, no shade, but like, I I watched Once Upon a Time. <laughs> I watched like two seasons of Once Upon a Time. So I'm not overly surprised. I just, I think it was poorly researched and um, doesn't medically represent a lot of what it should have represented, but we'll see. Okay. Um. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Robin. Do you know what Patreon is? I no. know that you mentioned it earlier, so you must know. No, I don't know. No, you mentioned it earlier, so <laughs> you've got to know. Why don't you tell me about it? I've been scammed. <laughs> Patreon is a service where you can donate monthly to your favorite creator. And if we are your favorite creators, that would be awesome because we need money for hosting costs because running these podcasts is really expensive. Yeah, you listen to it for free and it will continue to be free, but it's not free to run. So it is not. Please head. So if you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash and donate a spare dollar, we would super appreciate it. But if you can't, tell your friends about our podcast because word of mouth is like just as valuable. Yeah. And uh, if you do become a patron, uh, you get early access to all of our podcasts at least one day in advance. To be honest, I did. I posted last week's episode or last month's episode a week early because i was done it yeah you know so i mean sometimes you get them super early Ooh, there you go perks okay hurley and libby are jogging on the beach hurley is having a hard time and is really sad about it he feels like he's sick libby wants to help they go to hurley's secret stash he didn't give it all away earlier this season he kept some for himself libby urges him to destroy it all which is wasteful but go off and he finally feels free i don't just when they start gleefully destroying the food i was like hello yeah. Well, but also just like, why not just be like, here, people have my food. Yeah, just give it away again. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I didn't, like, maybe like one metaphorical, like, box you can destroy, sure. Because like, I, I kind of get that. But at the same time, I'm just like... This is so wasteful. You're stuck on an island and you're destroying food. Okay. Like, I think I would... Whatever. I would understand if they had said that, like, Hurley was like, oh my gosh, if I were to just show up with more food, Charlie, because we know how Charlie is this season. Okay, Charlie... Annoying. 
would be like, what? You didn't give it all to us earlier this season? What the heck is wrong with you? Why are you a liar? Why do you do this stuff? Yep. You know, which would make sense yeah. as to why they're like, we just have to get rid of it. But they didn't say that. No, they I didn't. I made that up. <laughs> they just kind of like went off. Yeah. So I feel like him keeping some of it really like ruins the end of 204 retroactively, which really sucks. Yeah. Because the end of 204 was so lovely. But I will say in counterpoint to that, him not doing that means that it does represent, yeah, like getting over something like this is a journey and you're going to have backslides. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that's what, so when they did that, I was like, okay, it makes sense that like, you know, he wasn't magically cured. He did slide back a little bit, but then this episode kind of undoes that as well by Mm -hmm. saying, well, love can fix everything. And I'm like, not everything. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so luckily there was a commentary on the DVDs for this episode. Okay. Um, it included Jack Bender, who was the director Jorge Garcia, who plays Hurley, and Cynthia Watros, who plays Libby. Okay, cute. Yeah. Um, And today, the day that we are recording this, which is uh, September 2nd, is Cynthia Watros' birthday. Oh my god! Happy birthday, Cynthia! That's so cute! Yeah, so that's nice. Yeah. But Jack Bender was saying in the commentary for the scene uh, that he wanted it to seem like he made a little cupboard in a tree. Oh my god. He's like, it looks like a shelf, but he made it out of bamboo or something. That's so cute. (laughs) Hurley the DIY king. Yeah. So Libby says to Hurley, you want to change, then change. And I just don't feel like that works for actual eating disorders. Yeah, no. Uh... When we first crashed here, I thought, this isn't all bad. It's like the all mango diet. I wasn't turning any heads or nothing, but I did drop a couple belt sizes. Then we found this hatch. And it was full of food. Tons of food. I tried giving it all away, but I guess I kind of kept some of it for myself. Wish I could just get rid of it. Then get rid of it. You want to change? Then change. Because like the, 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 the want to change is there, but it's not just like, it's not like flipping a switch. Mm-hmm. It's not like from going like, from one extreme to another it's a process and they didn't treat it like a process they treated it like a switch exactly um and i think that she should know that unless she's not a real psychologist so this is something that we've been talking about all season in the spoiler section and i guess i mean a little bit has slipped into the regular section so i apologize about that but um we have been talking about the fact that libby might not actually be a real psychologist Mm -hmm. and then we see this episode why that might be true yes this is the episode where that the evidence for that really comes through um the fact that she was in uh santa rosa herself and there's Yeah, that's a lot of sirens, but it's ambient, uh, you know. Sure. They're coming for me, lads. (laughs) I knew it. But there, there are two different things that you can take from this. Either she has spent so many, so much time with psychologists that she has picked up on a lot of their language mm-hmm. and a lot of their um, uh, habits and like practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other way that you can take it is that she was in a mental health institution and she got out of it. She had a breakthrough. She figured herself out and she decided that she wanted to help people the way that she was helped. I would rather think it's that one. I think that that is definitely more hopeful, but um, 
the other one is more conspiracy theory e. Yeah, and I think that's what they intended by having that big reveal at the yeah. end. Yeah, like ooh, she's not who she says he, she is, and I'm like, man, y'all do not know how mental health works, do you? Mm-hmm. So, especially her saying, "You want to change, then change." Ma'am, if you're a real psychologist, you would know that that's not how it works. Well, it depends. It depends on the person you're talking to. Sure. It depends on whether or not they respond to tough love. Mm-hmm. Some people, like you know, no nonsense language, they do respond to. Yeah. I don't think Hurley is one of those people. I think negative reinforcement, first of all, like statistically works on almost no one, but especially on Hurley, does not work. Uh, well, you were saying in 215, which was maternity leave, um, you were saying that like Libby helping Claire trying to recall her memories just kind of by meditating or whatever. You were saying that it doesn't work like that either. No, it doesn't. Like that was, was it meditating or was it more like borderline hypnosis? I don't really remember. I think it was kind of in between those two things. Yeah, I mean, there are, of course, like therapeutic practices. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, this isn't realistic in terms of like, I'm not, I'm not a professional. I just lived with one because my mom is one. And from, you know, I've been to therapists and things like that. And I have experienced memory loss. And from all of the things that I've tried, like, it's just not representative of what it actually is. A lot of what Libby does is what you see in pop culture. So like, I is she got off of the TV sort of thing. Yeah. That's my that's my whole Libby thing is like, yeah, I think a lot of her therapeutic techniques might have come from movies. Right. Okay. So yeah, what they're doing is pretty wasteful, not really great from a rationing standpoint. But Jack Bender was saying that from these two first little scenes here, what they were trying to get across was that Libby truly cares about Hurley. Mm-hmm. And I think I think they got there. For sure. Yeah. I think that comes across loud and clear. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next scene. She's just so gentle with him, you know? Yeah. He's so soft. Jin, Sun, and a bunch of others from the beach come running up. They found the pallet of food that was dropped. Everyone starts fighting over it, and Charlie suggests that, they, that Hurley should take care of it again. Hurley does not want to do that. He sees a vision of Dave and starts to follow it. Hurley falls in the jungle and finds Dave's slipper. So if you'd like some Korean. This version of Cinderella is really weird. I know. <laughs> so fun that you stole my joke that I told a couple days ago. Did you? To be fair, I don't listen to everything that you say. Yeah, but you laughed at the joke, and then you said the joke, and I didn't get to say the joke. Do you want- I'll take it back. I take the joke back. Yeah, I just want everyone to know that that was my joke first. All right. Uh, so Jin comes running up and he says, what did you find? What did you find? Mm -hmm. In Korean. Um, and then once they all get there, he says, who has dropped it here? Jin asking the real questions. What a great guy. So it's morning now. Okay. Did Jack and co just not tell anybody? Like they found it last night. And then they left and went to the hatch. (gasps) Oh my god, that's right! So I guess they just, like, left it there and let everyone else find it? What a bunch of idiots. (laughs) Okay, sure. So, we already talked about this, but Charlie's blatantly mentioning the hatch and the stuff that happens in it. Yeah, very loudly. Sawyer calls Charlie Tattoo, which is a reference to Fantasy Island, and he's actually called Walt that in season one. Mm -hmm. So, recycling nicknames. He's running out of content. Recycling nicknames. Finally. Yeah. We have found a limit to Sawyer's power. (laughs) Um, Jorge was talking about this scene that he was like in the background and he was saying as a fun fact that um, sometimes the scriptwriters will write expletives in the dialogue in parentheses. So like, um, or parentheses, excuse me. Um, but like if they're speaking, then there would be like a parenthesis that said like, 
the F word or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's the, so he knows what energy to give off. And that's like basically what he was doing all this whole scene. That's so cool. <laughs> oh, let Hurley say fuck. What a fun little tidbit. <laughs> <laughs> so Libby's like, we shouldn't fight. Like let's everybody stop fighting or whatever. And, but she didn't see it last time. No, like, she wasn't here. This is like brand new information that there's like a pile of food in the jungle. Yeah. But like when that happened before, when everybody started fighting and everyone started blaming Hurley, she's like, guys, why can't we just like be chill people? It's like, you weren't here last time. You don't know what the stakes are here. And also, what if we just put more women in charge of things like that? Yeah. You were saying that if, if this was like just filled with women, we'd probably ha- not have as much We would have worked it out. Yeah. This is why, and I made this point before, but this is why Lord of the Flies is such bull. Because it's just privileged white kids on an island. It, and it's not even, like, it's literally just, like, boys on an island. I'm like, if there were women right. there, we would have got it done. That's that on that. So then we see Dave, and then my last note for this was, why is this Cinderella? But Brittany went ahead and just took it. I'm sorry! Uh, and then I have some fun facts from Lostpedia. Uh, when Dave is being chased through the jungle by Hugo... He can clearly be seen be seen wearing two different shoes, a slipper and an unidentifiable red shoe, even though he is shown with only one, one on in different scenes. <gasps> Dave is shown to be wearing red socks, so the actor is likely to have worn a matching red shoe to protect his foot during the running sequence. Oh, I love little like production things like that. Yeah, so there you go. While filming the beginning of this episode where Hurley falls over while chasing Dave, Jorge Garcia cut his hand by accident on a piece of glass in the jungle. In a later scene, Hurley is seen with a band Band-Aid on the heel of his left thumb when picking up the Dharma fish crackers. And you can see it. I look. Oh, poor Jorge. He's like, Owie. I feel bad poor for Poor bud. Yeah. Be like, I'm just trying to act here. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> the heck out of here, jungle. What is like, what is, why is there glass in the jungle? Just kidding. It's, Tourists in Hawaii just love to litter. Yeah. Hurley sits on the beach with Dave's slipper and ponders. Libby joins him asking about what the deal is. She's proud of him for not freaking out. So what would you guys do if you saw your friend sitting on the beach just staring at a ratty slipper? So the slipper isn't real and it's not there. So he's really just staring at his hand. <laughs> he's staring at his hand looking like it's holding a slipper. So that's even creepier. Good point. Good point. Okay. Mm-hmm. What would I do? Um, I really do the same thing, which is basically just walk over and be like, sup? You're like, are you are you okay? Are you stable? Like, buddy, you okay? Yeah. You doing okay, on here? How many mushrooms did you take? Yeah. <laughs> Dear reader, Robin is holding her hand up and examining it Mm -hmm. because I feel she forgot that she is on an audio podcast. I've never forgot that I was on audio podcast. It was genuinely just for your benefit. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciated the joke. Yeah. And then she made fun (laughs) of me for it. She did. Cool. Cool. Neat. Bullying is fun. Um, Cynthia was saying in the commentary that they had to ADR this whole scene because of the weather and the waves. And I just thought yeah. that they did a pretty good job ADRing that one because I didn't really notice. I feel like a mm-hmm. lot of this show is ADR'd it and is. we don't even... like. The waves must have been a nightmare. I've done a workshop on ADR in um, film school. It seems hard. It is hard. So like the fact that they're so good at it, I'm like, congrats, because I was not that great at it. I've done ADR like for the my own films and then you bring in the actors to do ADR and it never is really very good except for this one time when um, my friend Cass was in a scene that I had directed mm-hmm. and we had her like do her own breathing ADR and she was great. Oh. Shout out. Like she had to, she was crying in the scene and so we had to like, you could see her chest moving and so we had to do ADR of her breathing. It was crazy. That's incredible. Yeah, it was pretty good. Cool. Okay, okay. He was being honest with her, but now he's not being honest with her anymore. Yeah. Because he feels crazier than he was before, I guess. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. And he also doesn't want her to find out how crazy he is. Yeah, like at this point, he knows that Dave is in his head. Like, right. We don't know it at the point of 
watching the episode, but yeah. he knows it. And so he's like, whoa, it's getting a little too far. Like later in the episode when he's like, I'm just going to go away so I can't bother people anymore. Which is yeah. what Dave wanted the entire time yeah. in the flashback. Yeah. So I have a question. I have an answer. Is Libby his love interest or his doctor? Wow. Because like, I know the, like the, the goal of this episode was like, she's his love interest. But every time I watch it, I just feel like... She's examining him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I feel like Libby does a lot of emotional labor and that gets dressed up as romance. Mm. Um, because I don't know, especially in this episode, not in every episode, but definitely in this episode, they are so hyper focused on Hurley being broken. And the only thing that can fix him is a woman. And I'm like, oh, I'm really tired of that trope. You know, women are not there to like baby and mother men back into being people. Do you know what I mean? it's it's kind of too bad just because like in the small scenes that they've gotten in previous episodes i've really loved hurley's and libby's relationship like because they're balanced when they're doing um uh when they're doing laundry or when um you know they're like you know when he's like asking sawyer about her like what do you think about that libby chick like it's cute exactly because it's subtle um and it's just unfortunate because in this episode i kind of feel like the mark is a little bit lost yeah lost Ah. um I feel like it might be, it's because it's about Hurley and it's not about Hurley and Libby. It's about Hurley and Libby's whole thing is, you know, revolving around Hurley rather than Hurley's thing also being revolved around Libby, if that makes sense. Exactly. Like they're not, it's not a two way street. It's not reciprocal, like information sharing and emotional, like give and take. It's just Libby pouring everything into Hurley Mm -hmm. and it's all focused on Hurley. Yeah. And I can't remember, has, has there been like anything established like emotionally between them where he's taking on some of her emotional stuff? Other than her being like, I buried Donald. I buried a lot of people. That's it. That's all I can think of. Yeah. That's yeah. That's I like, I don't recall any other time her even like talking about herself. If I'm wrong, everybody please hit me up. What about, I mean, I'm sure this is for the spoiler section, but what about in the future? Like, is there any way to save this dynamic or is this just kind of how it is now? Um, yeah. Okay. We're going to have to talk about this later. Okay. I think, cause I do definitely have thoughts about this, but yeah, there, there is a worrying trope here where they do blur the line between caregiver and love interest. And to me, that kind of story is so uninteresting. I kind of get the idea, um, that she feels like she needs something to fix like Jack. Mm-hmm. Like Jack's whole thing about being a doctor is that he always needs to fix everything and he has a hard time letting go. And so I I understand that like the first two scenes were about trying to establish the fact that she cares about Hurley and that's the reason why she keeps coming up. But I kind of get the vibe that she's coming up because she's just like, what a mystery I must solve. You know, I'm a, if she is actually a medical professional, is she going up there just being like, I need to figure this guy out? I would think that if the two writers who wrote this didn't have like, future established like patterns of doing the same kind of dynamic Mm. where women are the caregivers for men. Gotcha. Echo is cutting down trees to make a mystery building. Charlie is going to help him even though he doesn't know what it'll be. Hey, a Charlie light episode at this point in the season feels like such a gift. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, they're already trying to put him back up on that upward trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's been a nightmare all season. Oh, I don't claim season two Charlie. No, he's horrible. And for no reason. 
I claim every other season Charlie, but I do not claim I do not claim uh, season two Charlie. Yeah. Once we get past season two, I'm gonna be, feel so much better about <laughs> talking Charlie. So these are the trees that Echo was marking before, I believe, in Fire and Water. Oh, don't bring up Fire. I think. But also, you're right. Yes. Yeah. And so these are those trees. So we have them now. Shout out to those trees. Charlie just needs stuff to do. You know yeah. what I mean? He needs to be helpful. Yeah. They also like. Dom is one of the main characters, so they need Charlie to do stuff. You know what I mean? So they're like, yeah, let's just put him over there. Yeah. It feels like that's a lot of Charlie this season. It's like, we don't know what to do with him, so let's just slide him into random storylines. Let's just have him have a really terrible storyline, and then we'll put him with Sawyer, and then we'll put him with Echo, and then he'll be good again because he's with Echo. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hey. I noticed you were building something. I thought maybe... You could use this for whatever it is. It's very thoughtful of you, Charlie. Why don't you help me? What are you making? Hold that end. Is it a Starbucks? Help me carry one of those logs, please. Are you going to tell me? Not right now. Jack Bender said in the commentary that Adewale actually has prosthetic biceps. <laughs> and he spends a lot of time in makeup because there's no way that person is real. That's so funny. Literally, like, they showed that shot of Adewale and I'm like, Adewale could break a person in half. He's built like a tank. Hurley finds some goldfish crackers on the ground and starts to eat them. He sees Dave again, who proves he's real by hitting Hurley with coconuts. Hurley runs after him again. <laughs> So something that I really liked about the commentary was that I got a fun fact from Jack Bender who said that they had this crane shot at the beginning of this uh, scene Mm -hmm. that was to subliminally show that this is the same place where the palette dropped because when they did the palette scene, they had a similar shot and I had never gotten that. Yeah, I did not understand that those were the same shot. Nope. Yeah. I didn't even think, like, I always assumed that that was just kind of a place where the, it had like dropped from the palette rather than it being the same place where the palette was. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, there's new information. You learn something new every day. So he starts to eat the snack that's Smiles back. Fish crackers. Fish crackers. Dharma fish crackers. And as soon as he relapses, as soon as he starts shoving food into his mouth again, Dave. 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 Later with the peanut butter, as soon as he starts eating the peanut butter, Dave. Dave. Oh, that peanut butter. Oh, no, ma'am. But like the reason why we got Dave was after he got rid of all of his stuff and he walked up and found a giant pallet of food. Dave. Yep. You know? So, there you go. The manifestation of all of his greatest fears. So, we do know that Hurley really is hallucinating. How is he hitting him with coconuts? Is that... Like, is Hurley feeling pain in his side of his hallucination? Wait, oh my god, yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> well, later in the flashback, when he, like, full-on slaps him or whatever, like, he must, like, that's part of it, I guess. I guess? I think it, yeah. I mean, it must be a pretty intense hallucination, and in that case, clonazepam is not gonna help you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk about clonazepam? Well, I mean, basically, like, they talk about clonazepam later, but clonazepam is... It's it's a tranquilizer, you know? It's it's not an anti-hallucinogen. Like I thought that Dave said it was a tranquilizer and you said that it wasn't a tranquilizer. It's it's a it's like it, the when I say tranquilizer, I mean it'll just calm you down. Like I okay, so full disclosure, I took clonazepam for a long time because I have panic disorder. Like I have constant panic attacks. Clonazepam doesn't make you loopy. It doesn't even make you super tired. It just chills you out or that's my experience with it. So them using it to stop his hallucinations and stuff was very confusing to me because that's not what clonazepam does. Mm-hmm. Like 
Clonazepam is also used to stop seizures. Oh. Like, these things are not yeah. related. Interesting. Yeah. So, would you say that Dr. Brooks mismedicated him then? Gave him, like, the wrong medication? I mean, if you want an in-universe reason, sure. Yeah. But at the same time, like, if her- part of Hurley's eating disorder is tied into anxiety... That probably does help calm him down. Cool. So you think Dr. Brooks knows what he's doing? Yeah, I think he does. I just don't think that he knows that he's needing to treat hallucinations. But I also don't think the writers knew what clonazepam did or clonopin. It's it's basically, it's not, it's, it's a benzodiazepine. So it's kind of like next to Xanax. So imagine taking Xanax for a hallucination. Like that doesn't make sense. Right. But Dr. Brooks did know that he was treating a hallucination because he knew that Dave wasn't real. Oh, that's right. So Dr. Brooks is a bad doctor and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the writers didn't know what any of that stuff The writers did. just said no. Yeah. Okay. I tried. I tried to give them the benefit of the doubt because I feel like I've been ragging on the writers a little bit too much. But um, now I stand behind my comments. Okay. Yeah. They don't know anything about mental health. Uh, Hurley comes across Echo and Charlie building. Hurley asks if they saw Dave, but they haven't. Hmm. So, you know, a normal thing that he describes. I mean, this is my favorite line award. So, I mean, we'll talk about it when we get there. But <laughs> but Hurley hears how crazy he sounds. And after he asks it, and Charlie kind of makes fun of him a little bit. And Charlie doesn't make fun of him. Sometimes he does, but he's not laughing at his expense. He's just kind of making a joke out of it. Yeah, I think he even thinks that Hurley's a little bit joking. Yeah. So he jokes back and yeah. Hurley's like, oh, true, I I do sound weird and then he just leaves right he just like i sound a little unstable right now yeah yeah so hurley goes to see sawyer who is trying to pull apart oreos like an amateur (laughs) hurley asks him if he has any of his prescription in his stash but sawyer just makes fun of him hurley breaks attacking sawyer son and jin both go no stop bad and jin pulls them (laughs) apart sawyer calls hurley crazy i first of all i love the beginning of this scene because i think sawyer's trying to be nice to hurley Mm. like He's like, oh, I should have gone to the expert because, like, Hurley's offering him advice. And I'm like, oh, Sawyer's doing the bare minimum. I didn't see that as being nice. I saw that as a fat joke again. Uh, yeah, that's that's how I took that. You think? Yeah, he goes, he goes, oh, this is how you're supposed to do it, which is, like, normal advice, you know? Like, if Kate had come over and was just like, do you not know how to use Oreos, you nut? You know, like, if she had done that, he would have been like, okay, sorry. But because Hurley is fat, he ha- he's like, oh, you must be the expert because you're always eating cookies, huh? No, I think if Kate had gone over and delivered that exact same line, Sawyer would have responded in the same way, which is, oh, I should have gone to the expert. Mm, I don't know. You, we're sure. Gonna ha- we're going to have to agree to disagree. Okay. <laughs> but everyone, tell us your opinions. Yeah. Um, the part that annoyed me the most about this was the fact that Sawyer, as soon as he breaks the Oreo, he just throws it away. You're throwing away Oreos? Yeah, like, what the hell? The cookie is important. Like, he just thinks that he's just going to get another palette. Like, you can't just you can't just assume that, buddy. Yeah, but it's Sawyer. That is the kind of, like, dumbass assumption he would make. <laughs> it true. It true. Sawyer isn't nice enough to be like, I don't want this cookie. I should offer it to somebody else. Hurley, do you want this? No. He just throws it in the sand. Yeah, he's a complete tool. What if Vincent ate that and then he got sick? Well, that's not Sawyer's problem. I feel like Sawyer would feel bad. He would feel bad, but he would get defensive about it because he felt bad because yeah. he's Sawyer. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's really cool because uh, Jorge was saying that the, the the Oreos they were made specially with the Dharma logo on them. What? So they weren't they weren't Oreos, right? Because they're supposed to be like no name brand, but they're Dharma brand, and so they had the Dharma logo on the Oreos. Do you think the factory workers who make Dharma stuff like in the universe wonder where the hell all of this stuff is going? Did you do that on purpose? No. Oh. Uh. Yes, they do wonder that. <laughs> let, let me write that down. Robin's like, um. Just kidding. I mean, I mean, as I've established, I've forgotten more about this show than I remember. So, so after making potentially a fat joke at Hurley, mm-hmm. he then makes one of the most racist jokes he could have made at Saeed. 
Yeah. Even though he's not even here. Yeah. That one wasn't good. Constant no. low hanging. That one was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Sawyer, Sawyer does nothing but punch down. Like sometimes I think about Josh and I'm like, I'm so sorry you have to do this, Josh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> the, the points that Sawyer makes do not reflect Josh's opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty confidently on that yeah. one. Yeah. So Hurley is forced to confide in Sawyer when he doesn't really want to. And also, okay, can we talk about how unrealistic it is that no one took clonazepam on a flight? Okay. Amen. Definitely did. <laughs> I guess you would know that more than I would. A flight full of, like, tranquilizers? Of course. Tons of people are afraid of flying. Okay. He Sawyer had them. I know it in my heart. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, like, think that, like, maybe later seasons Sawyer, like, like episodes from now would give it to him. But maybe not now, Sawyer. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I sort of need some medicine. What do you need? It's called clonazepam. Clonazepam what? What the hell is that? So you can calm down, or for when you're seeing things that aren't supposed to be there. What stuff you see? I don't know. Maybe like a bald guy in a bathrobe. You mean like that guy there? Gotcha. Like, here's the thing, though, that Jack, Jack's the one that has the medicine. Oh, yeah. He won the poker game last episode. <gasps> oh, yeah. Like, he... What the heck? Like, he should know because he was there. Yeah. So, I don't know. Schwipsies. Whoops. That was, uh, whoops. So, why is this the last straw that forces Hurley to attack? I don't know. Like, what does Sawyer say that finally makes Hurley, like, snap? Remind me what he actually says to him. Um, I think... Does oh, he say oh. the word crazy? No, he says the uh, word okay. crazy at the end. He, um... Oh, Chris, do you remember? I'm trying to think. Um... It, what he does is he... Uh, asks him what hallucination he's been having, and then when he says, "Oh, it, oh," and he says, "Oh," and he says, "Uh, the guy behind, like, you mean the guy behind you?" Right. Yeah. And then when he turns around and he's kidding, turns around. Yeah. I mean, okay, that's a little self-explanatory. The yeah. reason that that broke is that someone was literally making fun of him. Like he he had a moment where he thought, "Oh my god, I'm not crazy." Yeah. Yeah. Or like, yeah, it's like I just can't even think about like Hurley's brain in that moment being like, "I thought he wasn't real." Is he real? Like, what explanation is that in it, my mind? It like, redefines his entire reality in yeah. such a short space of time. Yeah. So Sawyer yells, I didn't do it. <laughs> it made me laugh so much. Uh, Why was that the first thing he yelled? He gets back he's like, I didn't do it. I'm like, yes, you did. And there's actually a fun fact that Jack Bender was saying that it was Josh's idea to do the part where he like pops out and then gets pulled back in. <laughs> Josh just, and comedy. That's just good comedy. Like yeah. it is. So um, Sun and Jin in Korean. Sun says, what? Oh no, go help me. Help me. Which I think means, I think lost in translation means go help him. Yeah. Help him, help him. Um, and then Jin runs up and saying, stop it now. Stop. I mean, good advice. This reminds me of this one moment in Sweet Life of Zack and Cody oh, once. Oh no. When oh lord. London's dog was um, was uh, attacking this lady that they didn't like. Mm -hmm. She was like, make your dog stop. And she would go, stop. Bad dog. No. Get this mangy muck off of me. Stop. Bad dog. No. No. <laughs> oh, horrible. <laughs> so basically, Jin's like, no, quit it. Don't fight. Like, it, that doesn't help. And then, of course, Sawyer saying, you're crazy is not the best thing to say. No. Right. Like, obviously, no. colloquially, he's just saying, like, you're crazy, right? People say that, 
but like especially after Hurley, getting attacked to Hurley it means more yeah um Sawyer is rebuilding his tent and Kate is taking this opportunity to make fun of him for getting beaten up by Hurley I love Kate in this scene. So last episode, Sawyer got pummeled in poker by Jack. And now this. <laughs> Sawyer's been humbled so many times in he, the last couple episodes. He needs a win. He also squished a frog. You know? Yes. Yeah. Sawyer's been having a yeah. weird time. <laughs> um, so he makes a Lassie reference with Timmy fell down a well. And he yep. also makes a Hulk reference by saying that Hurley hulked out at him. Oh, new references again. So fun. Good for him. Hurley's packing up to go live in the caves. Libby joins him wanting to help, but he won't let her. So Libby's trying to help. I forgot about the cave. Well, Jorge was saying, like, it's pretty, it's a good idea that we didn't actually get there because that set is gone. Oh, really? He's like, we don't have that set anymore. Oops. <laughs> it, it makes me sad that he doesn't give this, like, the fact that there was this giant peanut butter thing. It's like, you're going to get, you're not going to give it to Claire? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Same. Sorry. <laughs> that was funny. So he's going to go live alone so he won't bother anybody. And a quote that I I was almost going to make my favorite line award. I'm just going to go live alone and be one of those guys. You know, the crazy guys with a big beard and no clothes who's naked and throws duty at people. Like, where did he get this from? (laughs) The fact that he uses the word duty instead of anything else is great. Throws duty at people. And so he also says that nobody can help him. I love him. Do you have any thoughts on that? No. Can anybody help him? Oh, yeah. Real therapist could. Not you, Libby. Like, right. But then, but then she like does supposedly at the end of the episode. Yeah, but that's not real therapy. Yeah. That's, that's like made up like romantic writer therapies. Right. That's not realty. Hurley's backpack splits open and everything falls out. The peanut butter breaks and peanut butter is all over the jungle ground. Hurley grabs a leaf to scoop it up and starts to eat it. He sees Dave again, who assures him that he is real and here. So this moment with Hurley, I think is beautiful. Mm. I think it's the kind of desperation and the kind of sort of thing that's hard to watch that is actually pretty good in my opinion like obviously I'm not informed on this but I think it shows a kind of the ugly side that we haven't really seen yet I don't know I like that yeah yeah um Jorge said that they cleaned the leaf with hand wipes before he ate off of it bet that tasted great (laughs) yeah I'm like oh cool alcohol Mm. and lemon ah alcohol lemon and (laughs) runny peanut butter yum because that that peanut Uh. butter was so liquidy yeah. What the hell? Organic. It was almost like, like, yeah, the natural, like, runny peanut butter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess it is kind of like, yeah, you're right, you're right. It's organic. Um, Free range. Something <laughs> that I think is really interesting about Dave, like, he says, sorry, dude, I am here. And I think he speaks like Hurley if Hurley yeah. was mean. You know, like he's from Hurley's brain. He speaks the way Hurley speaks. He totally does. Yeah. Which is kind of a clue. Hurley is trying to get Dave to go away, but he's still there. Dave tells him that the island and everything that's happened here and since, and since he abandoned Dave has all been inside Hurley's head. He's actually still at the hospital in a coma. The plane, the hatch, the button, and especially Libby are all make-believe. That's messed up. Yeah. And that's his own brain. Yeah. It's his own deepest fears and paranoia come to life yeah like dave is a manifestation of everything that hurley's ever feared especially like he's even he's even fighting with dave saying like i got better after you left this was a breakthrough i i left i got better yeah and dave is saying no you didn't it's paranoia talking to logic saying he never left santa rosa and he references my own private idaho which is a 1991 american independent adventure drama film it's loosely based on uh henry the fourth part one part two and henry the fifth it's starring River Phoenix and Keanu Reeves. 
I love that actor. The story follows two friends, Mike and Scott, as they embark on a journey of personal discovery that takes them from Portland, Oregon to Mike's hometown in Idaho and then to Rome in search of Mike's mother. To Rome? That took a that took a turn, I guess. So. Took okay. a turn. You remember that night you closed that window on me? You remember what you did after that night? Yeah. I realized you were imaginary. Mm-hmm. And that was a breakthrough. And a little while later, Brooks let me out, and I went home to live with my mom, and I got my job at Mr. Cluck's back, and I got better. Okay, good, great, yeah. Except, see, here's the thing. Uh, none of that ever happened. They were saying that they actually couldn't get through this scene because of all the planes that were going over their heads. Okay. Because it was like a pretty long scene, and so every time a plane had to went overhead they just had to like pause and then like go back a couple lines and then keep going and just like us recording around ambulances (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then jack bender said that in the original script dave listed more in like the first draft he said like and of course you have the doctor and of course you have blah 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 right basically calling them out for having like certain stereotypes on the show yeah um but of course it was getting a little long like this is already an extended episode okay so, yeah. Oh, that sucks. I would have really liked that. I definitely have thoughts on that. That's, like, so meta. Mm-hmm. I won the lottery. Whoa. Wow. Awesome, dude. What numbers did you play? Leonard's numbers, right? From the hospital? What a coincidence. You, uh, seen him around anywhere else? The hatch. Bingo! The hatch with the button that you gotta push every 108 minutes or the world ends. Oh, 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 and and what's the code for the button? Oh, yeah. The numbers. But I got better. I changed. Changed? What, are you kidding me? Take a look at yourself. You've been on a deserted island for over two months and you haven't dropped 10 pounds. How is that even possible, man? I just destroyed my stash. I've been exercising. Libby says it won't happen overnight. Oh, right, right, Libby. The mega-cute blonde chick who magically appeared from the other side of the island. Oh, 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 yeah. And who just happens to have the hots for you. So, like, he says that he made up all of the people here. So who is which part of Hurley? Like, is Sawyer the part of Hurley that's, like, really mean to himself? Yeah, Sawyer's the bully. Is there anybody else that we can, like, if this were true, that we could connect? I mean, would Char- what did Charlie represent? Like, the friend he never had? I mean, it falls apart so quickly. You're like, wait a minute. This, like, this can't be a hallucination. I'm trying to remember when Hurley brings up a certain thing that happened with his friend Johnny. Because, like, we had Johnny in 204. Yeah. But he he talks a little bit more about him uh, later. And so I wonder if, like, Charlie kind of represents Johnny in that way. That, like, they were very good friends, but then something happened. Because we do know that their relationship did fall apart a little bit when he won the lottery. Yeah. And so I wonder if Charlie kind of represents, like, that friendship that he cherished so much, but isn't... But just, like, just under the surface isn't as good as... Yeah, maybe, yeah. I don't know. I'm making that up, especially because this isn't actually real. Yeah. (laughs) This isn't actually true. Dave leads Hurley to a cliff, still convincing him of this crazy idea. Dave says that to wake up, they need to jump off of the cliff. Hurley is not into it, but Dave jumps. That was crazy. Um, So I do have a couple fun facts that Jack Bender was saying. He said that they added like these these red flowers in the jungle because they wanted it to look like Hurley in Wonderland. There were were CGI flowers. Or wait. No, they probably just physically added them. Yeah. I can't remember. They said one or the other, but I don't remember what it was. Okay. 
Um, and he was also saying that the cliff goes five feet farther, but they couldn't safely let them go that far, even though they were cabled in. So they digitally painted out part of the cliff. Wow. There's so much work went into this one scene. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Dave is trying to convince him that he is currently part of his subconscious, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't part of his subconscious before when he was in Santa Rosa. Yeah, he was, he was a real corporeal person then. But he's not right now, is what he's saying. He's saying that he made up all of the people here. Okay, we talked about this. So Dave tries to get him to kill himself. Yeah, what, um... He tries to get him to jump off a cliff. Yep. I don't know how to analyze this scene, to be honest. Like, it's so dark that I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, we have, I have some spoiler thoughts about this, but at this point, I don't really know what else to... When I was doing my notes, I wrote, can we make this about Nevermind, which is an episode that was in the most recent season of The 100, but I don't remember why I wanted to make it about that. Plus, the less we could make things about The 100, the better. Yeah. I just think I meant, like, (laughs) two people being in the same mind and, like, what kind of that was about. Yeah, like, the duality of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think Um, it's more of a subconscious type thing. Yeah. Dave says, see you in another life, Hurley, but I don't think Hurley has ever heard Desmond say, see you in another life, brother. Oh, yeah, what the heck? So I'm not sure where that came from. Yeah, I had the same thought process of, wait, how did he know about this? Yeah. Certain line, so he can read minds. Right. Figured it out, guys. Uh, in the Lost on Location, they were doing the fall, and it was a blue screen, and then they had him sit on a blue chair, and two people made his robe flap around by tying string to it and waving around. So basically, he's sitting on the chair, and he's going ah, and there are two people on either side of him, him holding strings that are attached to his robe, and they're basically just whipping that around, so it looks like the, so it looks like his robe is whipping around in the wind. <laughs> And that's what the fall was. <laughs> Movie magic. Yeah. So if you're interested in that, you better check it out on the Lost on Location because interesting. That sounds crazy to watch. Yeah. So this is the last scene in this storyline. Uh, Libby finds Hurley at the cliff. Hurley now believes what Dave said and is going to jump. Libby tries to talk him down. He tells her that he made her up and that she's not real. She asks him about a memory she has from the crash. He doesn't know the answer because it happened to her. Don't say she isn't real. Everything is real, including this smooch. Whoa! They step down from the cliff and walk away holding hands. And he was magically cured. Well, yeah. Tell me, how do you feel about it? I, it's True love's kiss does not fix your mental health. Like, yeah. it's, it, uh, to me, this storyline is a little choppy, but this scene especially, I'm, I, I love this scene up until the kiss mm-hmm. because I wish that this hadn't been like, this is their first kiss, right? Yep. I wish this hadn't been their first yeah. kiss. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish that they had walked away holding hands and then had a scene later on mm. with their first kiss where they talk about, you know, working through issues and like taking their time with like mental health. Like, not even in like, that way but you know very much in the lost way with a lot of poetry mm-hmm. but when she's asserting her own independence and saying like i'm a person you did not make me up love that mm-hmm. what was the man's name who broke his leg the day of the crash on the other side of the island echo brought a man with a broken leg to me for help what was his name i don't know you don't know you know why Because it happened to me. His name was Donald, and I buried him. I buried a lot of people, Hurley. So don't tell me that that wasn't real. And don't tell me you made me up. It's insulting. And then it's like, I'm going to kiss you 
so that you know that this is real. And I'm like, wouldn't that also happen in someone's fantasies too? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there was the part in which Dave was like the mega cute blonde chick. And in the commentary, Cynthia was like, hey, who wrote that? Thanks. Aww. <laughs> she was like, I wasn't here for that scene, but nice. That's so wholesome. Um, So she's sweaty, which means she must have like been following him through the jungle. Yeah. So she was like, I wonder if she kind of had the feeling that something bad was going to happen. And so she felt like she had to follow him. Plus he was missing. Like, yeah, that's not like him. Mm-hmm. Um, They were also saying that they shot the Hurley like close ups um, and his shots and the Libby stuff on different days. What? They said that they specifically shot the Libby stuff on the cloudier day because she tends to squint in the sun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like if it's cloudier, Same. then they turn on to her so that she isn't squinting through the whole scene, which I get. I know that life. But like accommodating an actress's tics like that are crazy. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, Hurley thinks that he has proof that she's not real because... She talks about talking to Jin and he says that Jin doesn't speak English. It's like Jin's actually doing pretty well with English. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but my question was like, what was the final thing that Dave said that convinced Hurley? Because somewhere in between Dave has jumped off the cliff and Libby has walked up, Hurley was completely convinced. So like, what was it? Hmm. And the writer said it was the Libby thing. It's like all about Libby. I know. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Hurley's, I mean, they've established through the whole episode that Hurley has really low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. So hitting that final thing, which is why would anyone ever be into you? Yeah. That, that tracks. Yeah. I mean, it hurts, but it tracks. Libby says that he is having a panic attack. So as somebody who has frequent panic attacks, would you like to talk about how it's not a panic attack? Literally no part of that looks like a panic attack. A panic (laughs) attack is like intense anxiety where you think you're dying, not intense anxiety where you're like, I need to go jump off a cliff. You're like, you genuinely think you're dying. There's an overwhelming feeling of doom. Like literally Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man 3, that's a panic attack. This is not. Also, shout out to Iron Man 3, the most unappreciated of the Marvel films. Amen said it i meant it robin doesn't watch them so she has no clue (laughs) um the wind makes the cliff more dangerous and they were kind of talking about how to get the wind out of your face as an actor Mm -hmm. which i thought was really cool like cynthia was talking about how her hair was in her face a lot because of the wind and um they were talking about how there was a point in which she stepped up and put her hair behind her ear and she was like oh i don't know like i I, that was like me that wasn't like Libby or whatever and Jack Bender was like no no that like that was Libby because like if your hair is in your face you're gonna move it out of your face like you don't have to feel bad about having done something for you exactly in the scene because that usually means that it would be a realistic thing that the character would do Libby would be irritated by that as well yeah so that makes perfect sense to me I really liked that moment in the commentary actors really think through things that we would never consider Libby truly does save him like he was gonna do it yeah he was yeah yeah. So, I mean, thank God. Uh, yeah, I'm glad she did it. Like, I think the storyline itself, I'm not nuts about, but I'm obviously so grateful to her. Mm-hmm. And I like that she asserted her own, like, personhood, too. Yeah, exactly. So, like, then she brings up Donald and she says, like, there was a man, like, this is the thing that happened to me. Do you know what his name was? And he doesn't know. No. And she's like, yeah, because you fabricated a really good backstory for me. <laughs> no, his name was Donald, because I was there and you weren't. I, I like that a lot. <laughs> and then he asks if she he was holding a slipper before and she goes no but it's like cool thanks for changing the subject though like her face is literally like it's not okay no why are you talking about slippers yeah uh, sure uh so then we have the kiss um and jorge was saying that he thought it was fun because he's not the type of guy that they go to for mountaintop kisses oh 
So he was really excited to get to do that. That's so wholesome. Um, Cynthia said that Jorge is a very good kisser and Jorge said ditto. Oh my God, that's so cute. But we do have this moment when they walk away where her face sort of changes now that he's not looking at her. Oh yeah. Um, And I'm not totally sure exactly what that's about because like i know it's supposed to be about like the fact that like oh she's in the um she's in the flashbacks and she was actually at santa rosa but like yeah it's foreshadowing a flashback which yeah which doesn't odd. you know narratively with like where they are right now that doesn't really make sense where she is as a person at no. this point you know so yeah i don't really take that super super seriously <laughs> no i think it was supposed to be like they did it for the sake of looking cool yeah. basically hurley sits in dr brooks's office and they talk about his progress he's not angry with his mom anymore and he's slowly working on his diet hurley doesn't want to talk about the accident he's been here for two months and he never opens up he won't even do any of the homework he was asked to do he's not doing it because dave isn't doing it Ugh. Ugh. I Dave. so the first thing we see in the flashback is the picture or the painting that is hanging over um hurley's head which is of an island Oh. Um, Jorge had said that this was actually one of his biggest questions about season one. So he was so excited to have uh, an episode about it. Like he had mentioned in season one that he had been in a mental institution. Mm -hmm. And so Jorge was like, I don't know what that's about. Excited to find out though. (laughs) And then they finally did it. Um, Also, this was happening in a studio. So the stuff outside of the office, uh, like the window, Mm -hmm. um, was not real light or trees or wind. Whoa. I actually was fooled by that. Yeah, it was all in studio. I had no idea. Interesting. Respect. Also, we kind of get this very, it's like really um, off the cuff, kind of just like barreled over pretty quickly, but like it, Carmen's the one who put him in here. Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. His mom did put him in there. Yeah. Yeah. He mentions that he was mad at his mom before, but he's not mad at her anymore because he knows that she was just doing it for his own good. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like the reason why she put him in there was because of the accident. Yeah. But the accident, like when the accident happened, he was not as like, maybe his problem was his eating disorder. Yeah. And it seems like once he got to the mental institution is when the anxiety and Dave started actually showing up. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that like, that's not the reason like Dave wasn't the reason why she why he got put in the institution yeah it was like another yeah factor and dave manifested there yeah it, it probably is like a psychological break and like the eating was definitely probably just another symptom that they were treating but the overall thing was that like he was really messed up from what happened yeah. Can I ask you guys to do some math for me? I don't know how to do math. I'm dyslexic, but sure, let's go. <laughs> he says that he's been in there for two months. Um, can you tell me how many weeks two months is? Not eight to nine weeks. How many? Eight to nine weeks. Eight weeks? Oh, that's a number. Uh, uh, thank you for math that um, Chris and I could do. Yeah, you're welcome. Right. That, that was beautiful. <laughs> I don't feel dumb. So Dave doesn't want him to change. He is the personification of his illness. Yeah. Okay, why don't we uh, talk about the little homework assignment that I gave you? I was never really good at homework. Yeah. You remember what you're supposed to do? Just make a list of things that you like about yourself? Well, nobody else did it. Nobody else? Meaning? Well, Dave didn't do it. He said it was a stupid idea. Well, you know, I'm not Dave's doctor, but uh, we have talked about how he could be a very negative influence. Dave's the most normal person in this place, man. But he doesn't want you to change, does he? 
I know a lot of people who wish they had a personification of their illness because at least they would know more about it. Yeah, slay your demon. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting. I think storytelling wise, it is an interesting vehicle to use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't have any comments on that other than, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I see it. I like the flashbacks. I, I so think that I. the flashback, I think I prefer the flashbacks to the island storyline this episode. I would agree with that. I'm with, I'm, I agree with that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I have a lot of thoughts on the flashbacks. Hurley finds Dave in the gym playing basketball with a bunch of other patients. Well, not really playing because no one ever passes the ball to him. When Hurley shows up, Dave abandons the game because it's taco night. Hurley tells Dave that the doctor says that Dave is negative. Dave says, no way, man, and proceeds to be very negative. Anyway, tacos. I mean, negative proceeds to be negative anyway tacos me <laughs> why me me absolutely big, big mood. why is dave so mean because he is the personification of hurley self-hatred and self-sabotaging tendencies i find it so interesting that like not only is he he's like a little bit mean to hurley but he's super mean to like a bunch of the other patients yeah it's hurley's internal thoughts it's hurley's internal thoughts he he thinks these terrible things about leonard yep he thinks these terrible things about the other crazies in there. <laughs> Little crazies, you know? Yeah, and it's like, he th he's like, I am more sane than these people are. Like, yeah. he has othered himself from them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no one ever passes the ball to Dave. So like, this is this is something that I love that the show does, even just within an episode. Like, so for example, when Kate in the pilot, she comes out of the jungle and she's holding her wrists, mm -hmm. right? And then in... The next episode, slash the same episode, just because it is a two-part pilot, we find out that she was wearing handcuffs on the plane. Yeah. Right? So yep. they do this sort of thing where it's like, when you rewatch it, you're like, of course Dave isn't real. No, no one's passing the ball to him. No one's interacting with him. He never touches anything. Nope. Yeah. He just sits there and talks to Hurley. Yeah. Especially in the, um, when they're playing that game. Mm -hmm. I think they were playing Connect Four, Connect right? Connect Four, yeah. Like, he's not participating in the game. He's just yelling. No, and they, he doesn't get meds. No. Everybody else is getting meds except for him. Yep. Later when he like sees the lasagna, he says, you better pick up that lasagna and Hurley picks it up. He never picks it up. Yeah. And he I'm never like, touches anything. I'm like, what? Did you not want some lasagna? You too good for lasagna? Yeah. <laughs> Dave doesn't want him to listen to the professionals. Dave, you suck. And it's like, don't people come here to get better? But Hurley gets a little bit worse before he can get better. That's usually the case though. Yeah. Um, a fun fact that uh, Jack Bender gave, I believe it was, mm, I didn't write it down. Uh, it was somebody in the commentary had said that the uh, basketball scene had actually been written to be outdoors, but it was raining that day. So they were lucky to get this um, basketball court at the last minute inside. So it did kind of look like a school gym. I was right. Yeah, I don't know if it actually was a school gym or if it was actually like a facility or yeah. whatever, but they actually do use this set later in the series. So um, this set actually becomes kind of important, which is oh, cool. Okay. Like after they have to do that, then they have to change the continuity for the rest of the series, which I think is cool. That And, and they thoughtfully do. Yeah. Which, oh, yeah. Yeah. Other shows can't relate. Mm -hmm. They're quaking. They're scared. Yeah. <laughs> hundred. All right. Hurley and Dave are playing Connect Four with Leonard. Hurley is eating celery, which Dave is against. The nurse brings Hurley his pills, which Dave is also against. Hurley brings up the doctor, which Dave is against. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of, Dr. Brooks walks up, asking if he can take their picture for the bulletin board. They pose. Hurley takes his pills, but reveals to Dave that he didn't actually swallow them. Hmm. Hmm. Sabotaging his own therapy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have a really important question for everyone. Okay. And you know, by the way, I'm phrasing this. It's not important at all. Yes. What's everyone's stance on celery? Oh. You don't like celery? Oh, I hate it. Oh, I hate oh. it. Same. Wow. I think it's the devil's vegetable. I um don't like celery when it is like in the stalks because I find when you bite it, then you get like the 
stringies, little stringies and stuff. Yeah. I do like celery when it is cut up um, and also when it's cooked. Oh, so ultimately, I would say I do like celery. I feel like you just took a pro celery stance, and I did. It's shocking to me, but I used to when my aunt would like take care of me when I was little. I would lick the peanut butter and raisins off of the (gasps) celery sticks, and then feed the celery to Brandy, their dog. I would do the same thing, but then I would just put the celery back on the plate and look at my nana like, no. All right, well, I stand being healthy, but... Oh, no, no, I full-on I full on had her believe until she finally caught me um, <laughs> that I was eating my celery. <laughs> oh, my God, scam artist, I love it. Thank you, thank you. I stand this. What the hell is that? My mid-afternoon snack. Dude, that's celery. Celery is not a snack. Leonard's got graham crackers, man. You should snag one. He won't notice. What's he gonna do? Call eight, you a 23? Hey, Hugo, here's your meds. Thank you, Nurse Lazenby. Dude, you wanna get out of here with me? Don't take the horse tranquilizer. What do you mean, get out of here? I mean, escape, man. Me and you, ASAP. They're getting to you, dude. We got a split. Dr. Brooks. Dr. Dr. Brooks does not care about you, man. He's the one prescribing that crap. Uh, during the game, Dave says, pretty sneaky, Leonard. This is a takeoff on a line from the Connect 4 TV commercial where a boy says, pretty sneaky, sis, after she defeats him by lining up her checkers diagonally. How do these writers think of these things? I guess. I don't know. Like, they're minds, you know? Brittany, can I ask you to do some math? Oh, I guess. How many holes does a Connect 4 have? Isn't it 4 by 4? It is 6 by 7. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I know that one. What is it's it? Point two. It's point two. It's funny, too. <laughs> um, so Dave is obviously a terrible influence dave doesn't get meds which i brought up before i love when you're re-watching dr brooks talking to dave he's like oh yeah i'm just sitting here with dave he's like oh hey dave hello dave like, hey and he goes how are you today he's like could be saner and he's like okay well anyway <laughs> and looking back on it you're like he's just saying talking to air and hurley's brain is like these are this is what dave would say this is a normal conversation that they're having there's nothing amiss here well and remember when the uh doc says you know oh i talked to his doctor and we think he's a negative influence on you Mm -hmm. (gasps) oh my god yeah he was just straight up lying (laughs) he was like i'm dave's doctor (laughs) straight up i guess he does doctor aka me Me. yeah i think earlier he goes he goes well listen i'm not dave's doctor but and i don't know who is (laughs) (laughs) well then who is dave's doctor in this facility like it's interesting how long he lets hurley have dave yeah before he tells him that he isn't real you go something wrong with your meds there no uh me and dave were just you know talking about stuff. Right. Well, sorry to interrupt. Well, there, Dave. Hello there, Dr. Brooks. And how are you today? Never been saner. I've been taking some pictures for the bulletin board. I've got everyone except you two. Uh, would you guys mind? Okay. Okay. Why don't you get a little closer together? Are you going to make us look at the ducky, too? Say cheese. Cheese. Great. 
the thing actually that makes him finally bring up Dave was when Hurley finally admits to and starts talking about the accident. Mm-hmm. And then that's when he's like, okay, it's time. Like the, he doesn't need the coping mechanism anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, protect Hurley. Yeah. Um, Jack Bender was saying uh, that they had to get another woman in the background because it was supposed to be a male ward. It has been a male ward up until now, but then they realized that Libby was supposed to be there. So Jack Bender's daughter is one of the people in the back pretending to be a patient because they realized they needed at least one other woman in the ward. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> They were like, whoopsie. Oh, they're supposed to be ladies in here. Like, uh, they thought it was going to be like uh, the wards were going to be gendered. But then he was like, wait, that kind of ruins our reveal. Whoopsie. You're like, oh, okay. So uh, no, I, but I remember seeing at least one woman in the foreground. Could it have been a nurse? No, oh. I thought she was playing Connect Four. Okay. Maybe they got more than, maybe they got another like crew member to come in or something. Pro- yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think they hired any background people to like any women to play <laughs> people. So in Dr. Brooks his office, Hurley tells him the list of things he likes about himself, none of which really have anything to do with him. The accident was that he made a deck com- that it he made a deck collapse and it killed two people. The doctor assures him that the deck would have collapsed anyway, as there were way too many people on it. Hurley still feels responsible and tells the doctor that Dave was right about him. Dr. Brooks reveals that Dave isn't actually real by showing Hurley the Polaroid he took of them and an he took of him and an empty chair. I don't know if Hurley was ready for this. You don't think? I don't know. Like, I, I mean, know it that, works. I mean, it does work, but I'm just like, they just unlocked that backstory, you know? But yeah, I mean, it, it worked. So he was yeah. ready, but I'm just like, oh my God. But I think but I think it was because he wasn't ready that it worked. You're so right. Say more yeah, things about that. Because I feel like if Dr. Brooks had tried to prepare him anymore and be like, you know, Dave's not real. Mm-hmm. Like, I think then Hurley would have just completely second-guessed himself. And I feel like he would have gone more into a state of disbelief, like, no, this guy really is. You mean like he needed the proof? Yes, I feel like- And the shock. Yeah, and and that shock to kind of- I'm trying to think of what it's kind of like. It's kind of like being dunked in cold water. I was supposed to say, yeah, it's exactly like being dunked in cold water after you've been, like, outside on a hot day. Like, you know, you're not really focused. You're kind of, you know, a little hazy. And then you get that cold water and you're back to being, you know, alert and... So yeah, that's exactly what that is. He needed that dunk of cold water. Yeah, you're totally right. Yep. We stand a little genius. <laughs> Why, thank you. I try. I try. <laughs> I also think it's interesting that like we get little sprinkles of the numbers in everybody else's like flashbacks, but like they are so <laughs> every time. Hurley's, there's always so many of them. It's right in your face. And then they, I love that they hide them as Easter eggs too. It makes me so happy. Yeah. So one of the things that Hurley has on his list is that he, ha- he likes that he has a good relationship with his mom. That's so sweet. And he still thinks that after she put him in there. Exactly. I wrote that down. Carmen put him in here. He still loves her. Even though, to be honest, she does not treat him very well. No, she doesn't. She doesn't. But he loves his mom. I think because, I don't know if it's that she doesn't treat him very well so much as her version of showing her love for him isn't what we would choose. Mm. But you can tell she does love her son. Yeah. She just thinks that he's a project that she needs to constantly be working on. Mm -hmm. He likes making his grandpa Tito laugh. Bad news. That's so wholesome bad news yeah his grandpa tito passes away um after he wins the lottery i like that i like chicken you know what i also like chicken yeah (laughs) do you like that you like chicken no i wish i liked chicken especially fried chicken less okay you know that's fair that's fair thank you yeah you're welcome 
Um, so none of these are really about him. Hurley basically admits that he thinks that he's ugly. This hurts. That makes me so sad for like the people who like, like Jorge's out here being like, cool, you wrote that I think I'm ugly. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Jorge's a person. I wonder if they like ran that by him at all to be like, hey, is this okay to explore psychologically? Yeah. Of course they didn't. No, they probably didn't. No. No. I always think about the actors who are supposed to play like ugly characters or whatever. Like you watch, you know, sitcoms and stuff and they're like, what about that guy? Ew, no. You know, and I always think about those people. Like they probably weren't dressed up that much, you know? I think exactly. about them all the time. But I think that there is a certain detachment where, like, if someone wrote that about you, you'd be like, oh, well, this is how my character is supposed to perceive themselves. That's not what they are. Right. Do you think? I don't know. Just because, it, like, it's not about, like, especially in sitcoms like that, it's not really about them. You know, like, if it's just, like, a passing background air act actor mm-hmm. that it's like just the way they look it's not about them at all oh dr brooks says that there were 23 people on the deck <gasps> but there was only supposed to be eight people on the deck <gasps> and then two people died those are all numbers two isn't a number no it's not oh, i thought you were kidding were you not kidding no wow i i don't know why oh okay <laughs> that made me sad <laughs> it made me sad i'm not very bright um okay Okay. <laughs> so, listen, I, I'm an absent-minded professor. Like, I'll understand, like, I can dive into the psychology of Hur- Hurley's own self-hatred, but I will also forget basic things. That's just my personality. I don't know why you're surprised. This is, this is the biggest mood I've ever felt in my entire existence. So. Right? It's like, I know, like, I know I'm not stupid, but I can be stupid. <laughs> but I can be absolutely stupid. It's great. I can be one of the dumbest people who's ever walked the planet. <laughs> I just feel bad because I really did think you were making a joke. And then I was like, haha, Brittany. And then I was like, am I laughing at her? I thought I was laughing with her. <laughs> oh, you can always laugh at me. You okay. have permission. Um, so it's interesting because like his whole thing is that he had bad luck after he won the lottery. Mm-hmm. But it's looking like he did have some bad luck before he won the lottery as well. Yeah, I wonder if the, the bad luck thing was more that he finally had something to blame. Right, yeah. It was like, I always have bad luck. And now like this must be the reason because it's gotten worse, I guess. Yeah. There or, were- no, I got it. I got it. It's that he no longer had to blame himself for his string of bad luck. He blamed himself for the accident, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then the numbers come along and all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe it wasn't me. Maybe it was these numbers the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like psych- psychologically, that might be better for him. Yeah. I wonder. There were 23 people on that deck. It was built to hold eight and it would have collapsed whether you went out there or not. Yeah, but I did walk out there. And it did collapse. But I killed him. It was an accident. That was my fault. Look, after those people died, you were in a practically catatonic state. You stopped talking, you stopped going out, you stopped sleeping. But you never stopped eating. Because that's how you punish yourself. Dave's right about you. No, you're nothing but a quack. Dave doesn't want you to lose weight, does he? You know, Dave cares about me. He's my friend. Um, when this episode was first airing, uh, fans theorized that this was how Locke lost the use of his legs. They thought that he was on the deck. Oh. Early. Ooh. As you can tell from our reactions to that that's not actually what happened but it is a very good theory <laughs> i feel like that's not much of a 
spoiler because if we hadn't told you the theory, you probably never would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He says, Dave doesn't want you to stop eating. And Hurley says, Dave cares about me. Dave doesn't care about you because he's your own low self-confidence. Does Dave care about Hurley in the way that it he is part of Hurley though? Like, is he, he cares for Hurley's happiness? You know, like he's giving Hurley the things that he wants, right? Like he says later, he says, you're telling me to go get cheeseburgers because I want cheeseburgers. And like, I want cheeseburgers too. I think he's the part of Hurley that, I mean, we all have the ability to self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. We all have the ability to make a decision because it's short-term pleasure, but long-term suffering. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's exactly what Dave is a manifestation of is Im- immediate gratification. Right. Yeah. So one thing that I actually really liked was the keys on the folder. Like when he goes up and he takes his keys off his folder, I just think that's a good touch. It's an interesting detail. It makes it a little more realistic. Yeah. The props department always be thinking. Oh, that was really cool. Um, and then we just find out that Dave be imaginary. <laughs> Not real. Which is both good and just mm, so concerning. So in our second last flashback of the episode, Dave wakes Hurley up in the middle of the night to escape from the hospital. Hurley tells him that he's not real. Dave slaps him and they go on their way. Dave convinces Hurley to grab food for the road and once they get to the window, Hurley decides to close the door on Dave and this harmful chapter of his life. Oh my god, this breakthrough is so great. Mm-hmm. Like he he went all the way down to the bottom mm-hmm. to get back out again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the poetry of it is so good. This is why like the the psychology of this flashback, I think is so much more thoughtfully done than the current island stuff. You're totally right. That's why it's better. It feels more earned. So I noticed that Hurley has a picture of Carmen and his grandpa Tito on his bedside table, but he does not have a picture of his father. We'll get some more information about that Mm -hmm. in later seasons, but obviously he doesn't really have much of a relationship with his father at this point. David. David. Hmm. Hmm. How does someone imaginary wake you up? I was thinking about that. Like, do you think it's just sort of... Like the way you wake up from a nightmare? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, I've definitely woken up in the middle of a panic attack. So I kind of wondered if it was something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that I pointed out that I thought was really important was that it seems like Dave uses violence to prove he's real. Like he only ever uses violence. He hits him with a coconut. He slaps him in the face. So I think that's really interesting. Dave, be nice to my friend Hurley. He also calls him big guy. Which is a weird thing to call yourself, right? Yeah. Well, I mean. Just, yeah. I don't know. Actually, I do stuff like that. Go ahead, Chris. I just think like, I don't know. It's more like big guy. I feel like it's probably a little self-depreciation. It's almost like, you know, when you do something stupid and it's like, oh, you know, you idiot and you're inflicting, you know, negative thoughts to yourself and so I feel Mm -hmm. like Dave saying hey big guy that's Hurley's self-conscious like Dave is the I mean we've already established like who Dave represents but also like Dave's impulsive and I think that's Hurley's first impulse is to insult himself oh that's a good point right yeah his his knee-jerk instinct is to be mean to himself correct yeah which says a lot about like him adapting to how Sawyer treats him is Hurley should be applauded for the amount of bullying he goes through from Sawyer, like even more than he deserved before. Right. Right. One other thing I like to point out was that um, Dave speaks some Spanish. He speaks Spanish in this scene when he says Vamanos, and he also speaks Spanish when he's talking about Taco Night um, because Hurley knows Spanish. 
Yeah. Yep. But it's just a casual enough Spanish that you can pass it off as like it's colloquial Spanish, yeah. so you can just yeah. think he's just a normal person. You're like, oh yeah, he just you know is throwing Spanish into his everyday vocabulary. Like yeah. that's just a casual thing people do. <laughs> um, he also makes Star Wars references, which we know Hurley is a big fan of. Same. So same. There you go. <laughs> I enjoy um, that franchise. Another thing that I think is a really good representation of showing that Dave isn't actually real is how he is not at all surprised when Hurley says the doctor says you're not real. Oh yeah. He says the doctor says oh, you're yeah. not real. And if it was me, I'd be like, what? Excuse? <laughs> I'm like, I'm a person. I mean, like when Libby be like he, Libby, yeah. He says that to Libby, and Libby's like, uh, first Hello? of all, frick you. Second yeah. of all, here's the reason why I am. And instead, he's like, you're not real. And Dave goes, oh, weird. Slap. I'm real, right? You know, he doesn't do anything. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, right. maybe immediately he's just like, um, the selfishness of you to imply that I'm a figment of your imagination. And Dave's like, yeah, bitch, I might be, but I'm gonna hit you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Hurley now has, like, the keys to the window. I don't think he even remembers stealing the keys. Probably not. Probably like, not. it's very no. Ginny Weasley in the Chamber of Secrets. Like, she, he's now just, like, losing time. Oh. Oh, probably. And he's just finding things that he has done. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, yep. It's really scary. Hurley would be going against his mother and the doctors. So it's like, if it, from Dave's perspective, he's like, stick it to him. Your mom's the one who stuck you in here. Mm-hmm. And the doctors are trying to keep you in here. Yeah. You know? He's truly overcoming that little voice inside his head that, yeah. like, he's overcoming self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And so now he sees that Dave is an instigator. And so he decides to close the window. I'm sorry. Sorry. What, are you kidding me? You're not real. You're trying to get me to run away and get cheeseburgers because I want cheeseburgers. Did you take those pills, man? Nah, man, I'm just not coming. Look, you don't want me to get better. You don't want me to change. You don't need to change, man. You are fine. You're great. No, I'm not. You just want me to stay fat. You don't want me to get better. You... You wouldn't care if I ate myself to death. Do not do this, man. If you don't come with me right now, you will never get out of here. Brittany, you had said, I believe, in our The 100 podcast recently that mm-hmm. uh, visualizing putting your bad things away really works for you. Yeah. Just Did you speak about that a little bit? Very, like, I don't know if anyone else does this but like when I have like a thought that I really don't like I will manifest it into the image of a piece of paper and then just blow it out of my brain and like like you know like on a wind and I think that's very much like I love the visual representation that they do with Dave where he's literally closing the door on Dave and locking all of those horrible thoughts away Mm -hmm. or not even away but out like they're gone now I just I really like that idea yeah No, that's a super, like, healthy way to deal with negative thoughts. Yeah. You, like, compartmentalize them and deal with them as they come, or you see that they're useless, and you're like, I I don't need these anymore. Yeah. Like, go away. Yeah. Uh, So, a different perspective from the first flashback, Libby watches Hurley get his picture taken by Dr. Brooks, a patient herself. So, we learn that Libby was in the hospital, too. I have so many spoiler thoughts on this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Damon Lindelof said in the Lost in Location, he said, the way to make her character pop was to tie her into somebody who we're really already invested in. How do you essentially tell a very sweet love story about two people who know each other from a mental institution? That was kind of the challenge before us. And you know what? They did manage that yeah. to, to 
High degree. Yeah, I think they pulled that off. Yeah. So there are a lot of theories, and I do want to talk about this mostly in the spoiler section, but there are theories that Dave was actually real um, and had a connection to Libby. And the reason why I think that isn't true, and I'll give my full reason in mm-hmm. the spoiler section, but if Dave was real, like when... When we see Dave in this scene for the first time, we're in Hurley's perspective. We're in Hurley's mind. And mm-hmm. so we see Dave. Yeah. So if he was real in this new perspective, like we don't hardly ever get two different perspectives from things. Like we we do sometimes, which is really helpful, like especially with like Sun and Jin. Yeah, I was, I was literally yeah. going to say Sun and Jin. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in this moment, we're getting a different perspective. We're getting Libby's perspective and Dave is not sitting there. Which I think is just, it, that's concrete evidence. I'm He's like, not that's real. it. It's canon. He's not real. He's in Hurley's head. Yeah. So yeah. that's my opinion. At Joe Garfine. <laughs> yeah. So we'll talk about that uh, later. But another thing, like it's it's a whole thing about the use of the name David. Um, David is actually used eight different times in this show. So two characters named David really doesn't mean that they're the same character, in Fair my enough. opinion. Fair enough. Um, David is also Damon Lindelof's father's name. So he was already predisposed to like so that name. he's going to use David a lot. Um, Yo, David! Uh, so yeah. Someone had to do it and then and then just lots of spoiler section thoughts about that so do you guys have any other thoughts that aren't spoilers um for the whole uh, episode no no okay we'll do our segments then yeah all right so now it's time for segments our first segment is the best line award uh mine goes to hurley and charlie for did either of you see a guy run through here in a bathrobe with a coconut no Throw a polar bear on rollerblades with a mango. It's so mean and so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. He's like ran- just like a bunch of random. It's like it's like Mad Libs. <laughs> it uh, is like Mad Libs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wanted to give an honorable mention to Charlie and Sawyer for. Shouldn't we let someone a little bit more trustworthy take care of this? Like you, baby napper. <laughs> Drag him. <laughs> Like, okay, Sawyer, but you're the one who gets Charlie to do terrible things, too. Like, you baby napper? Yeah. So mean and so funny. (laughs) And mine goes to Sawyer for... Don't you got an adventure to get to? I think Timmy fell down a well over that way. (laughs) I'm just like, you're such a dick. (laughs) And it's so funny. And Chris, Uh, what's yours? I hate that it's Dave's, but when he says... You know what tastes even better than freedom? Cheeseburger. Because like same, same. because yeah. absolute same like yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. yes have you had a cheeseburger yeah <laughs> uh, so now we're gonna do man of science man of faith so we're gonna be talking about Hurley today would you say that Hurley is more of a man of science or a man of faith this episode faith faith tell me more about that I've just changed my mind okay I think it's science now okay tell me because he's constantly looking for explanations for what's happening to him mm-hmm. and that's that's what I've got. I think that his breakthrough that we talk about is from faith to science. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You're right. I was going to say he transitions from faith to believing in Dave to being presented evidence, presented the science that, hey, Dave is not real to get through his breakthrough. So yeah, right. he goes from faith to science. And even on the island, he's science, 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 then gets convinced into faith again right. and then gets back, then, taken back into yeah, science. Yeah. Right. When Libby comes up to him and gives him hard facts. Yes. Right? Hey, here's the actual truth. Yeah. Did they do the thing? So the thing is when they say the name of the episode in the episode. And if my count is correct, they say the word Dave 15 times. <laughs> 15 times? Uh, 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 in the episode. Well, Dave didn't do it. You know, I'm not Dave's doctor, but... Dave's the most normal person in this place, man. 
Wait! Dave! Me and Dave were just, you know, talking about stuff. Well, there, Dave. Dave's right about you. Dave doesn't want you to lose weight, does he? You know, Dave cares about me. Dave isn't your friend, Hugo. Because Dave doesn't exist. Bye, Dave. I've seen another life early. Who's Dave? How many episodes since the last knockout? Nobody got knocked out no one, this episode. No one has a no concussion one. this episode. Hurley fell down a lot, but he never lost consciousness. And Sawyer got beaten up, but he never lost consciousness. So it's actually been one episode since the last knockout. And it's always fun when Sawyer gets beaten up. Yeah. <laughs> How many episodes has it, has it been since the last time Jack mansplained something? I, I wouldn't say that Jack mansplained anything. He wasn't in the episode very much. And it was really just him like actually giving his opinion as a doctor. Yeah, he was just doing his job. Yeah, so yeah. we're going to say it's actually been one episode since the last time Jack mansplained. We called it Jacksplained. Yes, yes, we did. It's the last time Jack Jacksplained. Something. So proud of him. Does this episode pass the Bechdel test? No. 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 <laughs> I thought they did more than they do. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when, yeah, when we made this a segment, we thought that they were going to do it a lot more often than they do, and it's a little disappointing. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Thank you so much to the creators and community at Lostpedia. They are real ones. They, they are. Keep, they keep track of a lot. I do some stuff on there too. Um, If you like our podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. We, we like those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And please do our survey. Yeah. It's in the description. And sure. It's always open. If you're a fan of The Hundred, you like to talk about that show too. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we did all of season four, all of season five. Uh, season six is now over. So eventually we'll go back and do three, two, and one. And it has been renewed for season seven. So we'll also be doing season seven. Through gritted teeth, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you're making people not want to listen to our podcast we want people to listen to our podcast it's a good point of the, the podcast is good it's just that the show is a mess and that's what i have to say about that speaking of shows that are messes but this is a good mess if you're a fan of riverdale we like to talk about that show too we love riverdale we have covered three whole seasons of that show now so that's three seasons worth of podcasts for you to yes. listen to and actually when this episode comes out i mean it's at the beginning of september right now but this episode comes out at the beginning of october so we're coming real close to the start of season four so you guys have to join us for that it's gonna be so much fun that's a show that i love to watch because i love to make fun of it but i would also die for it i love that show (laughs) it's nonsense but it's my nonsense if you're a fan of stranger things we like to talk about that show too um we did all of season one long form and we also have done um a short form uh, reaction to every episode in season three in one big podcast and so eventually we will also be doing long form podcasts for season two and season three um so yeah i mean i think chris enjoys stranger things like from what i understand about her twitter feed (laughs) you know from what you know about me yeah like if if i had to guess i mean like can you confirm absolutely can 10 out of 10 can confirm Okay, great. I should have said 11 out of 11. God damn it. Oh, well. (laughs) I missed my chance. Next time. (laughs) Oh, well. It's fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) You can follow the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebel, YouTube, but uh, mostly Twitter. Yes, I work really hard on our Tumblr. I post gifts of all of our best line of words. And um, yeah, please support me. (laughs) Please validate me! Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it is expensive and um, we would just really appreciate it because yikes. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a good summation. Because yikes. Yikes. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Appertania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. Robin, I almost had a breakdown. I was like, that's in the wrong order. And our guest this episode was Chris. Tell us where we can find you online again. It's at your dear old dad on Twitter. Follow for David Harbour Thirst. It's embarrassing. I hope he never finds my account ever. I hope he absolutely does. He would probably love it. He would actually probably love it, truly. Yeah. He's 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 that kind of enthusiastic dude. He, he really is. If you're looking for it, it's in the description. Yeah. Our next episode is episode 219. It's called SOS, and we're going to be having our friend Jen on, who is at Jen of the Moon. Um, it's actually really exciting because she's going to be here. She lives here in Vancouver, and Ooh. so it will be our very first Lost podcast where all three people are going to be in the same room. It's really exciting. Aww. I'm that really is excited. so cool. And it's actually really cool. It's going to be so easy I to edit. I think about that. Hell yeah. It's gonna be so easy to edit. Okay. <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. Bye. Now we get to the good stuff. Chris didn't say okay, love you. Bye. Chris. Sorry. I thought it was just y'all's segment. I love y'all. I'm not saying bye, but I'm not saying bye. Said, do you yeah. want us to do it again? Sure. We'll do it again. Okay. Okay, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you, bye. Spoilers. Spoilers. Gonna talk spoilers. Here. Sure. We're going to spoiler section. Um, we are actually commissioning a new spoiler section song. Yes, we are. I'm really excited about it. I don't know if it'll be done at this point, but um, if it is, you just heard it, and I bet it's awesome. If you didn't, maybe next episode. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if you didn't, um, stay tuned. Huh? Stay tuned. All right. So let's talk about our spoiler thoughts on the Henry storyline first. His name is Kate. Okay, I feel like my Benry. Oh, we can call him Ben. Your Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that Benry thing, like, I feel like I could have got away with that. I just, yeah. Ben says that he's, that he's, like, afraid of what he'll do, but, like, dude, you're the he. I know! It, I think he'll be fine. Like, he's literally, he's literally just trying to convince them that he's just a foot soldier and that he doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like, he's not the leader. Listen, I'm low-hanging fruit. I'll give you the names of the important people, and I'm like, you are the important people. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you, what are you gonna do, throw friendly to the wolves? He, he literally has, he's like, he's nothing. Who gives a crap about that guy? He basically does throw friendly to the wolves. He's yeah. like, friendly, get out there, and then friendly dies, and Ben doesn't care. Ben doesn't doesn't care about anything. Of course not. Ben was truly caught off guard through that though. Like he legit could have died. Like that could have been the end. Yeah. He like the curse of Ben is that he's overly confident about things that he should not be confident about. Yeah. (laughs) My, my other thing was just like, what's your real name? And then I wrote, it's Ben. (laughs) (laughs) It's Ben. Yeah, it's Ben. (laughs) That vine is iconic to me. He said that he didn't press the button and that he's done lying. Well, yes, you did press the button and you are never done lying. Yeah. So to be clear, he did press the button. Yeah, he, he pressed he the button. He's he not looking to die today. No. Okay, Brittany, please talk about Henry and God. So I believe, like, so that whole conversation was like, you know, God, this and that. And I'm like, the entire time I was just sort of thinking, do you think to Henry slash Ben, that's more of like, Jacob like Jacob is more of a god like figure to him yeah I definitely don't think he's talking about Jacob though just because he I think Jacob is a god like figure to him I don't think he's talking about Jacob just because he says he can't see us here when he knows that Jacob can see him so it's like it's like it's not like it's like god can't see us here so another god has taken over Okay. There is a god that can see us here, but it's not the one you're talking about, Okay, if that makes sense. Okay. Well, then there goes all my brilliant thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) 
Sorry. Shot him right in the foot. Sorry. <laughs> so we were talking about, is their relationship ever better? Is there a time where Libby ever oh. gets to unload anything? Yeah. And it was just that- And unfortunately- Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say, no, it's just that one time that she was, where she was like incensed that she, that he thinks that she's not real. And she was like, I, yeah. you know, I buried a lot of bodies. And but that's the only time, but that only scratched the surface of- her trauma exactly and, like unfortunately oh go ahead sorry. No, and that and that's it like that's all we got well i mean unfortunately when she dies we are still at the very very beginning stages of their relationship right. so they never get a chance to do that there is a little bit more of that in the flash sideways but that's not really like i i wouldn't count that no, I would say that she always is very much in a caretaker role with Hurley. And the other thing, like, whenever she's brought up, it's like when Hurley is, like, at her grave, basically just continuing to unload his burdens and how sad, like, obviously he has a reason to be sad. He's mourning her, which I love. But, like, yeah. even, like, in season five or or maybe, like, in season six, like, on the island, he, like, sees her grave at, like, Boone Hill and, like continue to talk to her wishing she was still there but it's never really like about her I yes guess, it's, what I'm it's to always about how he feels and not like about the legacy that she had yeah so so we were talking about dave and wondering if he could be mib or jacob and we decided he definitely could not be the man in black just because the story and the rules for the man in black is that the character has to be dead has to have their body on the island like, those are the two, like, main rules. Dave never existed. So that's why I don't think it was ever MIB. Right, so yeah. we thought, okay, well, maybe it's Jacob. And we thought we are onto something. Yeah. It's got to be Jacob. But the thing is that, like, Jacob is trying to protect Hurley because Hurley is a candidate. And so never would Jacob ever say, Hurley, let's kill ourselves. Let's jump off a cliff, you know? So that means I truly believe that it's just in Hurley's head. Okay, but counterpoint to that, could it have been a test that Hurley was meant to either succeed or fail in? Like, quite literally gotcha. a life or death test. Like, could with be. Boone. Like, Boone was a candidate at one point, right? I believe so. I believe so. And so... I can check, actually. It It's sort of like, maybe Jacob was leading Hurley to a place where he could make a series of decisions that would decide not only whether or not he was a candidate, but whether or not he was going to live any longer. Yes, Boone was a candidate. So it could be it could be that Jacob was not looking to kill Hurley, but was looking to see what would happen if he pushed Hurley to his limits. Yeah, okay, cool. You were talking about the Dharma factory workers? Yeah, so what? That's the entire epilogue. Ben walks into the factory and says, you don't have to do this anymore. And they say, hey, by the way, what the heck? And then they watch some Dharma videos and then Ben leaves. That's the epilogue. Okay, so fun fact. I don't know if I've ever seen the epilogue. Ma'am? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we should probably watch the epilogue. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know if I've ever seen the epilogue. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And so- then they go and find Walt and then they tell him that he needs to come back to the island and Walt cries and he's happy. No, the end of Lost to me is Ben sitting outside the church. There's an epilogue. Okay, didn't know that. Yeah, and then Hurley's there and he's like, come on and be my buddy. And Walt's like, sounds good. And then they go. And my headcanon is like, one day Aaron goes and is also there, you know? Okay. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, none. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) You haven't seen the epilogue either? No! I didn't know Lost had an epilogue. I've literally been talking about it on this podcast, Brittany. You knew there was an epilogue. (laughs) No, I didn't. I thought by epilogue, you were always talking about that final scene with Ben and Hurley. That's not an epilogue. That's part of the finale. Okay, well, there's an epilogue. It's called The Man in Charge. It's about like 10 minutes long. Got it. So if you haven't, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the epilogue, go watch the epilogue. It's on YouTube. Okay. (laughs) It's around. (laughs) 
Um, it has great Ben content. I love him. Um, and then we were talking about the backpack splitting open and the peanut butter falling out was Jacob. And we definitely think that was just Jacob being a jerk. that was Jacob. Like, why would you make a guy trip with runny peanut butter? That's just not nice. I believe in... This might have happened already, but I'm pretty sure it's in Trisha Tanaka. Hurley says that when he won the lottery, Johnny ran off, stole Starla, his girlfriend, and then ran away with Starla. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was interesting that Hurley, at this point on the island, still calls Johnny his friend after that. Oh, yeah, I guess... He wouldn't refer to him as like his ex-friend. Like that's not very Hurley. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just thought that was interesting. I mean, they might they might just not have known that until at the, this point, like the writers, but mm-hmm. I still thought that was like kind of weird. It is. Uh, Jacob wouldn't get Hurley to jump off a cliff, which we talked about. And yeah. Okay. Now we get to get, get to the go to the good stuff. The the flashback spoilers. So uh, Bruce Davidson. Bruce David. No, I was right. Bruce Davison. Okay. Not Davidson. Davison. Okay. Plays Dr. Brooks. Yes. And the next episode he appears in is in season six, Hurley-centric episode, Everybody Loves Hugo. <gasps> I love that episode. Yeah, so we get him back in season six to play Dr. Brooks. Yeah. It's in the flash sideways, but he's still, he's he's there. still there. Yeah. yeah. Hurley says that, or I think, I don't remember who says it, but Carmen's the one who put Hurley in the institution. Yeah. In Everybody Loves Hugo, Libby says that she is in the institution voluntarily. So I guess that's also an option. Okay. I don't know. Just wanted to bring that up. Um, Taco night. Nom, 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 nom. The iconic Kate line from season three episode. I do. I don't do taco night. Oh my God. I forgot about that. Taco night. I don't do taco night. The melodrama. Truly iconic. <laughs> taco night. Taco night. I don't do taco night. I'm not a taco night kind of girl. Um. So this court we see again at the beginning of season four in the flash forward with Jack and Hurley. They're playing horse. And Jack's basically making sure that Hurley isn't going to tell. And Hurley says, I'm sorry, I went with Locke. He goes, oh, ouch. That hurts. That's called my heart. That hurt my feelings. These don't hurt me. Hurley and Dave playing Connect Four. Okay. Are you guys ready for this? Yes. So when, when Leonard is saying the numbers, he always says them quietly. Yeah. Except for one number. Okay, are you ready, ready? for this? Okay. Shout out to Lostpedia for figuring this out because I love them. When Hurley is playing Connect Four with Leonard Sims, who is saying the numbers over and over again, Leonard always says the number eight very loud and stern. This is Hurley's candidate number. What? Holy shit. How did they figure that out that early on? I don't know if they did. Maybe it's just a coincidence, but like Locke is four, Hurley's eight. Holy crap. When I read that, I was like, yes. <laughs> like if they like the thing is these writers are so smart a lot of the time like and by the writers I mean the writers room not these two writers no offense some offense um, <laughs> well they wrote expose and I love expose so I'm gonna stand by expose but you can stand by expose thanks no one says you couldn't I forgot what I was saying though oh yeah the, they do things so like methodically and with so much purpose that you kind of believe that they would plan something like mm-hmm. that I love that so Dave wakes Hurley up in the middle of the night and slaps him to prove he's real um Charlie at the beginning of season four comes to Hurley right because this is when Hurley starts being able to see dead people Mm -hmm. and Charlie comes to Hurley Hurley is at Santa Rosa I mean it's before he gets to Santa Rosa where he starts seeing Charlie yeah but Charlie comes up to him at Santa Rosa and Hurley says you're not real you're dead and Charlie slaps him so that's something that happens when when imaginary or dead people start hitting you (laughs) 
I feel like when he got slapped by Charlie, he's like, this isn't actually <laughs> proof, though. Yeah, Because this has happened before. This is just Dave all over again. Yeah. Okay. Now we get the Libby flashback. Oh my gosh. I have so many thoughts. Okay. okay. So this is supposed to take place in 2003. This flashback is supposed to take place in 2003. Okay. Okay. The crash happens in 2004. So within one to one and a half years, yep. she gets from here to where she was in the crash, which tells me I do not think that she is a psychologist. She's not. And if she is, she had gotten that training before she was in the the mental hospital that's possible that's that's entirely possible we still don't really know what happened to her to have put her in the mental hospital wait we never find that out no what the hell so did this show ever care about her or was she always just a vehicle for hurley well then she comes in and is important to desmond actually yeah so this is the other important flashback it happens in the season two finale uh when hurley sorry I assumed it's about Hurley. Um, Libby meets up with Desmond, basically, by accident. And Desmond is telling her about the solo race around the world that he's doing and that he needs a boat. He doesn't have money for a boat. And she tells him about her husband, whose name was David, who um, died and left her her boat, left her a boat, which is named after her. It's called the Elizabeth. And she gives Desmond the boat. And so she's the reason why he gets to the island. Oops. Okay, you're with me so far? Yes. In my brain, I have always thought that that happens after she gets out of the mental institution and now she's all better and she's a psychologist or whatever, right? Yeah. But if this flashback is supposed to take place in 2003 and Desmond was on his thing three years ago. Yeah. This is before she goes in the mental institution. Yeah. So- Oh, she's oh. snapping. She's snapping. Joe Garfine, I've got you. <laughs> Joe Garfine is so adamant that Dave is David, that Libby is married to Dave. And there are so many things that I think that is completely wrong. And here's especially, I had so much more evidence, but David is dead before Dave. <laughs> got her. He says that David is dead way before we even see Dave in in Dave. The episode. This episode. Oh my God. Are you going to tweet her after and be like, I got you? No, because I'm scared <laughs> oh my god i don't want her to yell at me because i already she would never i know but i gave her more evidence on twitter and she just said meh and then she kept believing it even though it's just okay so here's there's more was dave her husband no <laughs> because here is quotes from damon and carlton damon says we like certain biblical names and david is one of them david happened to be my father's name maybe that's sort of subconsciously rattling around in there carlton said the connection between the imaginary dave and dave hurley's father because his name is also david was completely intentional we wanted basically hurley to imagine a friend and have that be wrapped up in his unresolved relationship with his dad so that's why his imaginary friend is named dave damon said as to libby's ex that is an entirely different david we may or may not meet in the future damon has said that that is a different dave and he's not he's not about that dave he's about hurley's dad dave they've used david eight times (laughs) in this show it's not the same dave and that's such a basic name why would you keep using it exactly Dave was intended as a reflection of Hurley's issues with his missing father, David. They both have rascally, happy-go-lucky personalities. Imaginary Dave keeps encouraging Hurley to overeat. David's last act before leaving his son is giving him a bar of chocolate. Okay, so literally, I wish I'd known that before I started thinking about, like, what Dave would be a manifestation of, because that changes the entire interpretation if he's supposed to be his father. Yeah, we just haven't met his father yet, so we couldn't talk about it. (laughs) Damn it! Yeah. That totally changes everything psychologically about what's happening there. Well, do you want to talk about that? Oh, I, I don't remember, like, much about his father, but, like... Yeah. Basically, he, he leaves, and then as soon as Hurley wins the lottery, he comes back. What a jerk. Yeah. He leaves, like, at when he's a child. 
Mm-hmm. Another thing from Lostpedia, according to Lost Encyclopedia writer Tara Bennett, the man in black impersonated Dave on the island. Yeah, this cannot be true, just to be clear. Yeah. Dave never existed, negating the man in black's usual need for a dead body. Instead, he simply read Hurley's mind. Hurley was always going to see what he wanted to see anyway, said Bennett, and the smoke monster could kind of take advantage of that. Damon Lindelof, however, said Dave was a figment of Hurley's imagination slash apparition and had nothing to do with the monster. The published encyclopedia did not say Dave was the man in black. So that means that girl who wrote that was like, oh, and then and then took a, took that away. Yeah. So anyway, thanks. Dave and Hurley's husband, David, are two different people. Hurley's husband, David. Libby's <laughs> husband, David, are two different people. They are not the same person. Dave doesn't exist. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I have to You're say. You're welcome. It's really important for me to get that out. Thank you. Okay. Good for you. Does anybody have any more spoiler thoughts? Nope. No. Cool. Should we do our final in- outro then? Yes. Which is basically just a shortened version of our regular outro. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for coming on this episode. <laughs> thank y'all for having me. Yay. An angel. <laughs> um, will you tell us where we can find you one more time? Yes. Twitter, your dear old dad, because that's pretty much the only social media I regularly use. I follow you on Instagram. Yeah, I was going to say, you have a really good Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Instagram, Whiskey Tonic. There you go. Her her Instagram is so cute. Please follow her so you can see her cute little face all the time. You're going to make me cry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. Um, And please follow all three of us for uh, our, you can go back because at this point it will have already happened. Uh, We all went to Disney World together to watch me get engaged. So, oh yeah, at this point we can finally spill the beans. Go ahead. Sorry. Sam and I are engaged. (gasps) That's crazy to say. That's weird. That is weird. Oh, that's so weird. I love it though. Hope she doesn't say no. (laughs) Shut up. Or else this will be really awkward. It's super awkward. I already know she's going to say yes because it was going to be a surprise engagement and then she saw something on my phone about it. So now now she knows. <laughs> okay. Where can I follow you on Twitter? Me? Yeah. Me? It's um, at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And I'm sorry in advance for who I am online and that i never answer dms you don't i i do but like i said you answer mine so slowly (laughs) like i just like it takes me a while like i'll read it and i'll be like okay i'm gonna reply to that later and then i forget don't ever do that then just stop doing that that's a really hard (laughs) habit to break it is ingrained reply when you see it multiple days just reply when you see it i'll give it a shot thanks thanks uh you can follow at the aficionados on twitter facebook tumblr instagram redbubble YouTube. YouTube. I'm doing some stuff on YouTube. I'm planning on doing some stuff, and I'm really excited. Okay. As soon as my sister comes, lives here with me, we got, me and Callie are going to do some stuff. It's going to be lit. Yeah. It's going to be great. Okay. But until then, Twitter and Tumblr are our main ones. Dope. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. Like we said, if you have a spare dollar, if you think that our uh, stuff is worth your money, we would really, really appreciate it. Thank you. But otherwise, word of mouth. That works too. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye. Chris, you gotta do it now. Okay, bye. Cute. He's gonna live alone and be one of those guys. You know, the crazy guys with a big beard and no clothes who's naked and throws duty at people.